Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Let's do this. Another day, another dollar, another edition of The Drive. You're listening to The Drive on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com, and the Odyssey app. My name is Karen Harris. I'm very excited to be here. I am reporting to you live from Las Vegas, Nevada, at Radio Row at Mandalay Bay. And do we have a show planned for you? Unfortunately... Cam Newton will not be on the show today. I asked you guys for one thing. We try to give you guys pizzas all the time. I like to think that I'm the pizza piper, just giving them out to anybody that asks. HUD told me that this is about people. I asked for one thing, Rob Brenton, one thing. I asked for Cam Newton. You couldn't come through with Cam? He didn't like they called him scam. You blew this for me. You blew this for me. I did get a chance to see Matt Leinart, right? I think he knew I was coming up to him to say, hey, I love those USC teams. And then he Reggie Bush just beeline and went the opposite direction. And that was, that was basically my radio row experience. But we have a very fun show planned for you guys over the course of the next four hours. Appreciate you listening and making us your home as we help get you ready for Super Bowl 58 between the Chiefs and the Niners. Before we get to any of those Super Bowl things, Rob, take it away. The final Red Friday of the year, Carrington, and it's pizza time. 913-586-7610. Caller number six wins a pizza from our friends over at Pizza Tasio. Pizza Tasio is Kansas City's best New York-style pizza, and they've taken over the town. They lovingly use 100% whole milk mozzarella, all organic tomato sauce with locally grown fresh ingredients, all made by Casey guys who both know and love pizza. So whether you're in the mood for, I don't know, just some slices, or if you have a Super Bowl party coming up and you need a whole pizza be sure to visit them now at pizzatasio.com that's pizza t-a-s-c-i-o.com i need you guys to do me a couple of favors some very simple favors number one i need you listening to the drive each day at 610 sports radio at two o'clock i also need you to tell one friend i don't need you to tell two friends that if you want some of the best pizza in kansas city and you also want to get ready for the big game then keep it locked in right here on 610 sports radio This is the feeling that I have been fighting the last two weeks. I like to subscribe to the feeling that Vegas knows something that we don't know. If you look up and down the Las Vegas Strip, you see Mandalay Bay, and you see Paris, and Planet Hollywood, and the Bellagio. I mean, they have built these massive casinos off the entire premise that they know more about these things than we know. What am I missing about this game? Because as someone who has watched football every single week, like I imagine you guys have watched football every single week, and I feel like I know the Chiefs as well as anybody, as you probably feel the exact same way. What am I missing about this game, and what is the disconnect between how I feel 
how many of you feel, how the public feels, how the media feels, and what Vegas is telling us about this game. So as I was getting ready for the show today on ESPN, they did a poll where they interviewed 64 of their, quote, experts. And out of these 64 people, 49 of them picked Kansas City, 15 of them picked San Francisco. The overwhelming prevailing wisdom is that the Chiefs are going to win Super Bowl 58. And when I look at the raw numbers and information, just if we are doing a simple tale of the tape, hey, tell me why you like Kansas City in this game. The quarterback advantage. This is one of the greatest disparities at the quarterback position that we have seen in recent memory in the Super Bowl. On one side, you have someone who I believe at the end of his career will be widely considered to be, if not the best quarterback that we have ever seen, one of the two best quarterbacks that we have ever seen in the over 100-year history of the National Football League. So that's number one. If you were like me and you believe that this is a quarterback league and that quarterback is superior and that it is the best advantage that you can have in a game, one team has a noticeable advantage at quarterback. How is that not factored into the feelings that Vegas has about this game? You're telling me heading into a single elimination game with the Super Bowl on the line. You're telling me Brock Purdy, who has never played in a Super Bowl, is favored over Patrick Mahomes, who has been Super Bowl MVP twice? A guy who has played in six AFC championship games? A guy who has won two MVPs? It doesn't make sense. It does not compute to me. I have been trying to figure this out for two weeks. What do they know? What are they seeing that we don't see? Or is Vegas just terribly wrong on this thing and all of us are right? I'm picking the Chiefs. You're picking the Chiefs. Your mom is picking the Chiefs. Your grandma is picking the Chiefs. Anybody that watches football, for the most part, is picking Kansas City to win this game, yet the line has never moved. It's been one, one and a half, two. Kansas City at no point has been the betting favorite. The money is coming in overwhelming for Kansas City. If you go according to MGM, pretty big casino, 85% of the money line bets are on Kansas City. The money is telling you, follow the money, it's telling you that it is on the Kansas City Chiefs. That's not also the only advantage that they have in this game. The Chiefs have a substantial coaching advantage. And I say that as someone who likes Kyle Shanahan, who I think has proven to be a top five coach in the league. He has taken two separate quarterbacks to the Super Bowl. Matt Ryan won MVP with Kyle Shanahan as his head coach. But heading into a single elimination game and with two weeks to prepare, Is anybody taking Kyle Shanahan over Andy Reid? You'd be a fool to do that. Vegas is telling you to take Kyle Shanahan. What do they know that we don't know about this game? So the quarterback advantage is undecidably in Kansas City's favor. The coaching advantage is clearly in Kansas City's favor. And for two defenses that were on paper very close, I mean, San Francisco allowed four more points than Kansas City did this year. The numbers would suggest uh, these two defenses are comparable. Well, not if you've been watching recently. Sure, maybe these two teams, their defense was comparable in October. Yeah, if this game was played in October, it would make sense to me on a neutral site why San Francisco would be a two-point favorite. That wasn't the real version of the Kansas City Chiefs. And once it got cold, once it got to January, once it got to championship time, 
we have seen the Chiefs unleash the same championship team that we have seen over the course of the last four or five seasons. But back to the defense, the numbers would suggest that these two defenses are comparable. And you look at all the names on the other side, and you've got Nick Bosa, who won Defensive Player of the Year last year. And you've got Fred Warner, who might be a Hall of Fame linebacker. Dre Greenlaw, who's a very good player. they got a lot of names on that defense. But it is obvious heading into this game whose defense is playing at a much higher level, whose defense that you can trust. And it's not that the defenses are going against each other the same way that Brock Purdy is not going up against Patrick Mahomes. I have far more confidence in Patrick Mahomes going up against San Francisco's defense than I have for Brock Purdy going up against Kansas City's defense. Again, on ESPN, they polled 64 people. 49 of them picked Kansas City to win this game. 15 people picked San Francisco. I've been walking around Radio Row since 8.30, 9 o'clock Vegas time. Nobody is picking San Francisco here. You don't even see people wearing San Francisco stuff. Nothing. What am I missing? Because this seems obvious to me. This seems as obvious as a prediction for the Super Bowl that I can remember. As clear cut and as straightforward of a pick. You don't have to overthink this one. I think a lot of times when it comes to picking games, we try to really overthink it. Well, what about the turnover? No. Kansas City is playing better football. Kansas City has the better coach. They have the better quarterback. They have the better defense. They have more experience. They have played better in the postseason. This is a scenario of, sure, maybe one team is the, quote, more talented team. But you're going to give me the hot team that has the better quarterback and the better defense in a neutral site in a single elimination pick em. I just don't know how you can be on San Francisco's side in this matchup. And maybe this is just overconfidence for me. Maybe this is just I'm being a homer. Maybe it's I live in Kansas City. I don't know. But I've watched a lot of San Francisco this year. I certainly have watched plenty of Kansas City. And I just do not understand how coming into Super Bowl 58 with all of the advantages on the other side, how you can stand with Brock Purdy in this matchup or tell me that you believe that Christian McCaffrey is going to have 140 yards and three touchdowns and going to be unguardable, or that you don't think that Kansas City can defend Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, or George Kittle. I've seen them do this the entire season. There's one final test left for this Kansas City defense, and this Kansas City defense has got an A-plus over the course of the season. Every single test, every pop quiz, they have passed it every single time. I think that Brock Purdy is going to be the one that figures it out, and he's the one that passes the test. I just can't get myself to do it. I've told you guys all week, I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I've got it as 23-17. I'm taking the under in this game. We know that Kansas City at some point will have a lull offensively, but I just trust their defense to win this game. The things that I trust, if you were asking me heading into this, what do you feel, what do you know, what do you trust? I trust Patrick Mahomes to not make negative plays. I trust Patrick Mahomes to protect the football. I trust this defense to be able to get stops. I trust this defense to be able to get off of the field. And if you can do all of those things, then I think that means that we are going to be having a parade in Kansas City, Missouri next Wednesday. Coming up on the other side, I was talking to boss man Steven Spector about it, and he said something very interesting about Andy Reid. Now, he and I strongly disagree.
in relation to what he had to say about Andy Reid. But I do think it was interesting. We'll talk about it coming up on the other side. You're listening to The Drive live from Mandalay Bay in Radio Row. The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car wreck? Get the money you deserve. Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Kansas City, it's Brett Veach. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Welcome back into the show. My name is Carrington Harrison. Happy to be coming to you live from Mandalay Bay and Radio Row. We have a busy show planned. Coming up in a bit, Mark Schlereth is going to sit down. We're going to break down this game. Pro Football Focus is going to be here. The play-by-play voice for the San Francisco 49ers, Nate Taylor, is going to stop by. We ain't talking to celebrities today. It is the Friday before the Super Bowl. We are getting you ready for the final football game of the season between your Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. Rob, I do want to talk to you about the conversation that we had with Steven Spector, but I want to get your take on this as well. What am I missing in this game? Because a couple of people have texted in, hey, CDOT, you're not pointing out that Vegas wants people to bet an equal amount on both sides, that the line is not indicative of how they think the game is going to play out, but it's about getting equal money. But they've never gotten equal money on this game. From the moment that Kansas City was an underdog, People have been jumping all over the Kansas City Chiefs. Currently, according to MGM, one of the biggest gambling companies in the country, 85% of the bets that are coming in are picking Kansas City. Like, Vegas is firmly, it is not good for Las Vegas if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. They are on the other side. What am I missing Because when this line came out, it should be Chiefs as a three-point favorite. Chiefs as a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. It opened in San Francisco. And how at this point in the season, as we are in the middle of February, how are we putting more stock into the games that happened in October and November than the games that happened in January and February? That just, that doesn't make sense to me. We have seen these two teams play in the postseason, and Kansas City has been noticeably better in the postseason than San Francisco. So I'm not saying that this is a game that week seven, hey, we wouldn't be having this conversation. San Francisco would would have earned, I think, being the favorite if this was a regular season contest, but it's not. And you're going up against one of the already, I mean, even if he just decided, hey, I'm not going to play in Super Bowl 58, we are talking about one of the five greatest postseason quarterbacks of all time, and he is an underdog heading into the Super Bowl. Rob, what are you and I missing on this as two people who, are, who, who have jumped all over Kansas City to win? I have no idea. So this morning, getting ready for the show, I was watching the Rich Eisen show, and they had SVP on. And SVP was saying everything you're saying. SVP said... I think the Chiefs are the better team. They have the better quarterback. They have the better coach. But in Las Vegas, go to any sports book on the Strip, which you can do this weekend, and pull people in line, and they'll all say the same thing. I'm taking Mahomes. I'm taking the points. And I'm taking Andy Reid. Every single one of them. 80% of the money's that way. But then he said, you know, the lights aren't bright in Vegas. The chandeliers aren't big because Vegas takes losses. Then boss man Steven Spector told me most of the $10,000-plus bets, which is where their sharp money is, is coming in on the Niners. 
So on the field, I don't get how the Niners are better than the Chiefs. It makes no sense to me. In the coaching department, it makes no sense to me. The only thing that gives me pause is the people that win in the gambling world at a high level. The book and the Sharps are telling you San Francisco is the play. So what do the Sharps and Vegas know that I don't know? Because I'm with you. I don't see the Niners win this game at all. And frankly, I don't see any path where they are to win unless it's Patrick Mahomes falls back into his old turnover habits, which I don't see happening. So I had the same pause you did. What is what is everyone seeing that we aren't? So I want to bring to you guys the conversation that Rob and I had with Steven Spector yesterday that I was saving for this moment. So we were talking about the game, and Spector looked at me and said, I'm worried that Andy Reid is going to do an Andy Reid thing in the Super Bowl whether it is a toss to McCall Hardman, whether it's an end around, a questionable call, a questionable decision. I'm worried about Andy Reid being Andy Reid in the Super Bowl. That's not a worry of mine, not even a bit. Even the criticism that we have heard about Andy Reid for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years or so, even that criticism, hey, Andy neglects to run, Andy gets away from running the football, Well, you can't have that opinion and watch this version of the Kansas City Chiefs. This team has been as balanced as I think you can expect them to be. If Kansas City wins the Super Bowl, they win it off the strength of they have three high-level offensive players with Isaiah Pacheco, Rasheed Rice, and Travis Kelsey, and that you get a good day from at least two out of those three players. If you get a good day from all three of those players the same way that they did against Miami, then you blow out the San Francisco 49ers. But you really just need to get a good day from two of them. I don't go into this game with any worry, any fear, none of that related to Andy Reid. I think the Chiefs have found themselves, and they have discovered their formula. How does the Kansas City Chiefs in 2023-2024 season, how do they win? What is the best version of themselves? And I think we've seen it over the postseason. I think the Chiefs tried to fight it for most of the season, and the Chiefs were fixated on wide receiver depth and trying to build guys' confidence. I don't. That is not a concern of mine heading into it. We'll get the inactives and who's healthy and who doesn't play. I don't expect Kadarius Tony to be a factor in this game. I don't expect Sky Moore to be a factor in this game. I think the Chiefs, they're going to go out how they got here. I don't see them really losing themselves in this game. This team is going to win or lose off the strength of Patrick Mahomes, Isaiah Pacheco, Rasheed Rice, Travis Kelsey, and this defense. I've been preaching this formula the whole postseason, and it's worked so far. If they do it one more time, they will be the first team to go back-to-back since the mid-2000s. More Rice, more Pacheco, more Kelsey, less of everything else. Play good defense, limit turnovers and mistakes, control the line of scrimmage. They have done that in three straight games. If they do that one more time, Rob, they are going to win the Super Bowl. So I'm going to straddle the fence on what Speck said about Andy Reid getting cute. And I know that's lame radio, but I'm going to do it because I think the Chiefs can overcome when Andy Reid gets cute. But I agree with Speck. There is going to be a moment in the Super Bowl on Sunday where after a play, you're going to log into your X account and everyone on Twitter is going to be saying, Andy, stop it. Why would you get so cute? Why would you do that? Well, come on, Andy. It has happened 
in almost every game of consequence this season. We have seen social media flooded with, Andy got too cute back there, what's he doing? I think that moment from Andy is coming because that moment has come at almost every point this season. And in the Super Bowl, and Nate Taylor has been saying this, with the Chiefs, Andy Reid has been trying trick plays. Historically, they haven't been something that burned the Chiefs. You know, in the first Super Bowl, they ran Rose Bowl right, where they all did the, you know, the flip to the right, and it worked. In the Super Bowl against the Eagles, they tried to throw it to Nick Allegretti. Mahomes didn't have it open, threw out the back of the end zone. So Andy likes to get cute in these moments. I agree with Spec. I just don't know it's going to be a problem. I don't know it's going to hinder the Chiefs from winning the game. The same way I felt like Andy Reid got cute in the Bills game when he ran those goofy end arounds to McCole Hardman, like, what are we doing? We don't need McCole Hardman touches. No one has ever asked for that, not even Mr. and Mrs. Hardman. No one wants that. The Chiefs still had enough talent and enough ability, and Patrick Mahomes was so good, they overcame the cutesiness. But I don't know why I disagree with Spec, man. I think a cutesy, what are we doing type of play is definitely coming on Sunday. I just don't know it's going to be enough to be a problem long term. I don't know it's going to be a talking point in a Super Bowl loss. But this is where I'll push back a little bit. And I would say, I guess, maybe to preface it a little bit, I don't disagree with you about this game and about Andy Reid. But aren't we really debating the difference on whether the play works or not? I mean, Corn Dog is a cutesy play. All of those plays that we have patted Andy Reid on the back for, hey, how did you find this play from the 1945 Rose Bowl and it worked and them doing Ring Around the Rosie, all of those kind of plays that we applaud the Chiefs for, those are cutesy plays and some of them are in folklore. Some of them people listening right now have T-shirts about those plays. Are we are, – are, are we simply just debating whether or not over the course of the game the play will work or not? Because I don't disagree with you. This offense, you've given Andy Reid way too much time. You've given Andy Reid two weeks to sit back, and you know he has put some 1971 AFL game on and was like, huh. And then he went down in his lab and started writing stuff up, and he got a telestrator out like John Madden. I don't deny that. They probably will run one of those plays. Isn't the difference on whether you think that play is going to work or not in this game, though, Rob? Yes, but couldn't I say that I think there's more than just trick plays that are cutesy plays. Like, I would say, and it's also on the text line, the final play of the Ravens game, the one that iced it down, he, on third and seven, drew up a play to get MVS the ball. MVS is designed to be one-on-one. He thought no one's going to trust MVS, a player that me and you have been calling Mr. Applebee's. It worked. They got to put hats on. They got to hoist the Lamar Hunt trophy, all that. It wasn't a trick play, but in the biggest moment, Andy Reid was targeting MVS. Isn't that by design getting too cute? Because there are times on fourth and third and one this season that it's not just trick plays. Andy tries, hey, we're going to roll out and throw it to Blake Bell here. Why is Blake Bell getting involved? It's just it seems like there's always a moment in the game where Andy Reid gets away from the formula. It's just that in the postseason, it has largely worked. Because I would say throwing to MVS, while not a trick play, falls in the cutesy category. Because on third and seven with the clock in your favor, why are you targeting your least reliable wide receiver? Yeah, I, I, you and I just disagree on that point, and that's perfectly fine. I think that was a little bit of a Mahomes call, I and mean, we've seen that audio where he comes over and he says, give me the ball, give me the ball. And I think Mahomes was just thinking kill shot. I think he was thinking Game of Thrones, and I'm going to end this, and you do something that they're not expecting. 
I mean, I think that both of these offensive minds, whether it's Andy Reid or Kyle Shanahan, I think both of them have a tendency in here to do something. San Francisco is going to run some kind of end around. I mean, you have maybe the ultimate gadget player in the National Football League with Debo Samuel. You don't think that Kyle Shanahan in this game is going to get cutesy or you got Christian McCaffrey who we've seen have thrown a pass before. I just think that is just a that is a characteristic of people who have the utmost confidence in their ability to call plays. And cutesy, one of the most famous plays in Super Bowl history where a team had a decided quarterback disadvantage. It was a cutesy play. They threw a pass play to Nick Foles, and it worked, and they built a statue by it. I just think that sometimes that is just a product of, hey, we got 65, 70 plays over the course of the game. We're going to try to hit you with something that you're not expecting. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Coming up on the other side, we need to have an investigation. Now, you guys know that I love my law and order. Well, we had a situation that happened earlier today in the team hotel for the San Francisco 49ers that we need to investigate, and we'll do that next. Keep it right here. It's The Drive. The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Kansas City, it's Trent McDuffie. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. If you've been listening to this show for some time, you know that I love Law & Order. Oh, there's something about Olivia Benson, Elliot Stabler, Finn Tutuola, when they got a perp in the the interrogate, and just, oh my goodness, I love it. It's my favorite show. And every once in a while, I try to bring Law & Order to you guys, because maybe you don't watch Law & Order. But maybe you watch True Detective. Maybe you watch NCIS. I'm not saying you got to watch the same cop show that I watch. All of us deep down have a little investigative journalism in it. All of us deep down wants to be an investigator. We have to get to the bottom of this because all we have heard this week leading into the Super Bowl has been San Francisco 49er complaints. You guys remember when the week first started? Oh, the field's too soft. Hey, hey, Chiefs, I want to know if you guys can switch with us. We don't like this field. It's not comfortable. And then Andy Reid said, no, deal with it. The NFL went out there. They checked it. They inspected it. And it was up to code. And I was like, well, okay, I guess we, I mean, I guess we'll practice on it. I mean, we don't have a choice. I mean, it's not fair. It's just not, it's not how we like it, you know. They got to the hotel room. It wasn't perfect at 68 degrees, so you start complaining and asking for another room. That's what San Francisco did. So that's at the beginning of the week. Well, now let's fast forward to the end of the week. Now, I want to read to you guys. This story comes from ESPN.com. It's a credible website, right? So last night, a fire alarm went off in the San Francisco 49ers team hotel. Now, you might be wondering, hey, this must have happened at the middle of the night. When did this happen? 1, 2 a.m.? I mean, this had to be an alarm that was going off for 5, 10, 12, hours possibly. Rob, I'm telling you that this alarm, according to George Kittle, George Kittle said this, this alarm, this fire alarm that was pulled 
went off seven minutes before his normal alarm. It went over, it went over seven minutes before the actual alarm was supposed to go off. So a seven-minute inconvenience, a seven-minute inconvenience happened for the San Francisco 49ers. And, oh, let me tell you, Christian McCaffrey was hot about it. Let me read to you some quotes from Christian McCaffrey. Number one, now let me read this quote from his mom. Now, I'm not trying to bring his mom into it, but they asked his mom for comment. Now, I don't know why they would need to ask your mom a comment if you wake up seven minutes early for a fire alarm that went off for exactly ten minutes. I don't know why you would need your mom to comment, but Christian McCaffrey's mom said that this was 100% an inside job. Somebody snuck out of the team hotel for the Chiefs, possibly, maybe, we don't know, and they went and they tried to inconvenience the San Francisco 49ers by pulling the fire alarm at 6 o'clock in the morning. I mean, they, they were about to get up anyway, and they had to inconvenience. Christian McCaffrey said, you know what, it's not that big of a deal, but they just keep throwing logs on the fire. Rob, hit me with a little music here. Who do we think did this? Who do we think is the culprit of the false fire alarm that is, according to Christian McCaffrey's mom, an inside job? Christian McCaffrey said that this had a nefarious motive, he said. You start throwing big words out there like that, nefarious motive, and saying it's not random. Oh, you were mad. Quote, they just threw more wood onto the fire. And he believes that the culprit responsible for the law is a Kansas City chief supporter. Who could it possibly be? You know who I think it is. I think it's that one Chiefs fan that looks like Matthew Perry. You know the one I'm talking about? That guy, he has the same jacket on every single time. Rest in peace to Matthew Perry. You know the fan that I'm talking about. They show him all the time. He's always in the end zone. Backwards advisor guy? Yeah, you know exactly who I'm talking about. I think he pulled the fire alarm. I think he I think he is in Las Vegas. I think he's wearing that same jacket. He's probably getting a lot of selfie requests, a lot of picture requests. And I think he went to the 49ers team hotel. I mean, how can you overcome this if you're San Francisco? I mean, there's just so many odds you have to overcome for Super Bowl week. Number one, the field wasn't to your exact perfect liking. And then number two, you have to wake up seven minutes early for a 10-minute fire alarm? Call the cops, Rob. Call the cops. So putting aside who did this for a minute, this is some college-level BS. Aren't these hotels supposed to be, like, super locked down, like, airtight, like security's not letting media or any just random schmoes in? Like... This isn't like if Mizzou played KU and Lawrence and we know, hey, they're at the Orient or if the inverse happened and we know where they're staying and some college kid was at the bar and pulled the alarm. This is supposed to be airtight. you got to have three levels off in occasion to get into these hotels because we've heard stories about people last year who tried to sneak into the hotel after the Super Bowl to celebrate with the team and they got denied at one of the five entry points. How did some random schmo get into the Niners hotel and pull the alarm?
I have my doubts about the claim from Christian McCaffrey's mom that this was a nefarious inside job because it would take so much efforting and the result is seven less minutes of sleep. I have my doubts about the nefarious business. What if this was happening? Now, let me, I'm going to really take you down a conspiracy theory here. What if somebody on San Francisco, what if they pulled the alarm and now they're spreading false propaganda that a member of the Chiefs did it so they can just put a chip on their shoulder? I mean, they've been looking for an edge. Both of these teams are trying to figure out who the villain is. They've been trying to figure this out the whole time. What if that's the case? What if that's the situation? What if that's happening? So you're just telling me some random person can walk into the San Francisco 49ers hotel and pull the alarm? Just a random person. Rob, you could just walk in there. Hey, Christian McCaffrey, how you doing? Good morning. Let's have continental breakfast. And you could just pull the fire alarm? I'm not believing it. This is unbelievable as that story Michael Jordan told about that pizza somebody spit on it. Yeah, I, I have my serious doubt. Also, seven minutes. Like, if this was nefarious, if this was a chiefsaholic type, a criminal who broke into their hotel and pulled the fire alarm, the end game was they woke up five minutes ahead of schedule. Those five minutes are not the difference between wins and losses on Sunday. I'm sorry, Niners fans, just not. So I don't know why Christian McCaffrey's mom was asked for comment, but I have questions about her story because the end game is too little. Now, if this was pulled at like, hey, it was 2.30 in the morning, okay, I would maybe hear a conversation about it. But no, this this doesn't feel nefarious to me in the least. All right, let's get back to the game in very serious matters. And I hope that the culprit, I hope that he's apprehended. I hope that there's somebody walking around right now. We got to get a black light. We got to get that same black light that they had on Room Raiders. And we got to put it on people's hands. We got to look at various media members and we got to start putting black light over your hands and we got to start and we got to try to figure out we got to figure out if if you did it who's the culprit we have to figure this out we have to figure out who inconvenienced San Francisco on Super Bowl week and didn't allow Nick Bosa to get his full eight and a half hours of Z's I'm sorry that he had to get up early for Super Bowl 58. All right, Rob, here's my question. Because you and I, you know, us media folks like to throw out, who's going to be the X factor in this game? I think we're in the same place that we've been in for the last couple of weeks. I don't think there's that many people, at least on the offensive side for the Chiefs, that can be an X factor. I don't think there's that many people that could possibly swing the balance for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think it's a small amount of people. I think it's... MVS, I think it's Justin Watson, and maybe Noah Gray, but that's about it. I mean, what would need to happen in this game where we think back and we're looking at it and we think, man, you know what? Hey, Clyde Everett-Hilaire, he was a real difference maker in this game. And that's actually no shade towards Clyde Everett-Hilaire, who I think has actually had a good postseason and has made some plays for this team. But this team is going out in the Super Bowl that they're going to rely on their three and they're going to allow one or two other players to have an opportunity to make a big play. I don't think that they're giving four, five, six guys a chance, at least offensively. Now, defensively, we can throw out some names and some players that you think could possibly be an X factor in this game. I'm willing to listen to it. But on offense, 
give me a better option than MVS. MVS is by far and away the best option. I have a name for you. McCole Hardman. If you'll remember, Bink loves to tell, tell me these stats. Last time the Chiefs played the Niners, the Chiefs put up 44 points. It was last year in Santa Clara. They scored multiple touchdowns on those little jet sweep end-around plays where they got Nick Bosa caught coming too far upfield, and they burned him. I believe they burned him on two touchdowns that day. Is it possible that Andy Reid looks at the film and says, hey, we know 97 gets upfield too fast, too aggressively, and our fastest, most dynamic playmaker on the outside, McCole Hardman, can take advantage in the same way, and there could be a third and one on the goal line or a second and four where they run that little pop pass and take advantage of it again. And the only player that has the speed to take advantage of it, a wide receiver is McCall Hardman. Is there a scenario where you could see McCall being the X factor for Super Bowl Sunday? Yeah, maybe possibly. I just think we got to give Andy a little credit. Now, I think we all understand that it's not just going to be three offensive players that touch the ball and more players are going to do it. But I actually think Andy has done a really good job for the most part in limiting those other players. I really think he's done a good job of that over the course of the postseason. I feel like we're trying to put some some we're trying to put some negative juju on Andy Reid heading into this game. I don't think he's earned. I think he's I think he deserves a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here in this game. And this team, if they're going to win, they're likely going to need one of those other guys offensively to make a play. If you look back to the Buffalo game, you got two catches over 30 yards from MVS. Maybe the biggest play of the game in the AFC Championship game was MVS. You're going to need one other offensive player to give you something in this game. I don't hate, I don't dislike MVS being one of those players. Rob, is there anybody on defense that you think could possibly be an X factor in this game? You know me. I will continue to give the same answer every week. Mike Edwards. I'm giving Mike Edwards as a name. I think Brock Purdy is going to throw an interception in this game. I bet that Brock Purdy is going to throw an interception in this game. Who could he throw that interception to? We know that Nick Bolton likes to make plays in the postseason. I also like Mike Edwards. I'll continue to have him be my X Factor. I'm going to take Mike Dana because we know they don't have Charles Aminahu in this game. And we know the Chiefs love exotic blitz packages and things of that nature. And they're going to try to put pressure on Bush Lightboy, Brock Purdy. But without Aminahu, someone's going to have to fill in and make a, hey, you got a one-on-one because of a great blitz package, go make a play type of thing. Charles Aminahu has been great at it this year. Early in the season when Aminahu was suspended, Mike Dana was making those plays. Mike Dana was a guy that we had talked about, hey, do you re-sign Mike Dana because he was thriving in that role early in the season. So I'm going to take Mike Dana to rise up and be the X Factor in the absence of Charles Aminahu. Yeah, I don't dislike that one. I think this offensive, I think this defensive line is going to have to make plays in this game, and I think they're going to have to get pressure, and I think they're going to have to consistently win at the point of attack. It's funny because I think if you're just looking at it solely off off the paper, I think you can kind of point at the fact that, hey, San Francisco probably has the more name-brand defensive line, but I think you've seen time and time again, at least when it comes to Kansas City, that their defensive line 
is, uh, I think, has a chance. I think we're waiting on Mark Schlereth to actually sit down here with us and start to break down this game. Mark Schlereth, certainly a man that knows about playing in and winning Super Bowls, joining us on the show today. Mark, we appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. Great to be with you guys. Absolutely. Let's just, I guess, maybe the, the, the biggest question, I think, in this game, at least the biggest question that I have is, so earlier today on ESPN, they, they asked 64 of their experts. 49 of them picked Kansas City to win this sure. game. I think Kansas City has the better quarterback. I think Kansas City has the better coach. I think Kansas City has the better defense. What game script do you think San Francisco would need to win this game? And it sounds crazy to say pull off the upset for a team that's the favorite, but right. just getting the getting the feel of being here at Radio Row, it feels like it will be an upset if San Francisco wins. Uh, yeah, I think. I mean, I think that's. I think that's. You know, pretty much how most people feel, and it, I, I think it's not so much about the team. I think if you, you know, if you polled people even two weeks ago before the playoffs started, the best team in football they would say is is the San Francisco 49ers. Um, but they haven't played that well the last two weeks, uh, and they still found a way to come off with with you know with wins. I think the biggest thing for me about the 49ers is you've got to stay true to your identity. And one of the things that's happened to them is they've gotten behind early. And everybody looks at the offense and says, what's wrong with the offense? Well, their defense has gotten their ass kicked. They have not been good on the defensive side of the ball. And their defensive line was has always been a, a big strength in their rotation of that defensive line. They've not been good. And so they have not been able to get off the field. And what has happened to San Francisco is they've gotten behind early and behind quickly. And it's gotten to the point where even in Green Bay, they uh, they had one possession in the first quarter. So all of a sudden you get one possession and you start going, oh, shoot, a normal game is 12 possessions. Now we're down to, what, nine, eight possessions? So now you get out of what you do well. And what they do well is they run the heck out of the football. And everything they run has a corresponding play-action pass that is so good. And that's what their strength is. And they've gotten out of that, and they've been forced into more of a drop-back game. And they're not going to win. Now, they've been able to win against a couple of, of, of opponents that I think are inferior. But they're not going to win as a drop-back football team. That's not what they do. It's not what they do well. They, I will tell you, they're not, you know, they're not the greatest route runners. What they do is they run the ball, and they create opportunities where they fake a block, and all of a sudden – you know, a guy's running a six-yard in-cutting in route, and there's nobody within eight yards of him, and he catches it. And now, whether it's Debo or Ayuk or, you know, or Kittle, those dudes become tailbacks, right? They, and when they get the ball in space, they're unbelievable at yards after catch. So my big thing is you got to run the ball. you got to stay true to your identity. you got to set up your play-action stuff off of that and stay out of your drop-back game because it's not what you do well. Right now, we're joined uh, live from Radio Row for Mark Schlereth. He's a three-time Super Bowl champion. He also is on the Denver Broncos' 50th anniversary team. There probably aren't many players in the league that you can say, hey, I remember when you were born. Uh, but but Christian McCaffrey is yeah. that player. Yeah. What is it like to, I'm sure you remember exactly when he was born, to now see him turn into one of the best players in the league? It's it's so cool. You know, I've been, I mean, I've been teammates with his father, was – since 1995, we got together as teammates, and uh, in Washington, we played together in, or excuse me, in Denver, played together in Denver for six years. Um, you know, I've, I've watched the kid grow up, and, um, you know, I've known Kyle Shanahan since he was 12, 13, you know, 
Kyle Shanahan was always over the Broncos facility, running routes with the receivers in high school and in college, you know, trying to hone his craft, learn from Eddie McCaffrey, learn from uh, Rod Smith, and then, you know, ultimately, uh, as you mentioned, Christian was a little kid running around over there and doing his thing. So it is it is so cool. I mean, he is, you know, he is his father's son when it comes to preparation and just being neurotic about the way he prepares, the way he gets himself ready to play, uh, his attention to detail and all those things, just like his dad. I remember Bill Moss, and I'm sure you know Bill sure. Moss very well. I remember whenever the Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes, and I asked him, hey, who does Mahomes remind you of? He said John Elway. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that comparison? You certainly played with John Elway. What do you make of that comparison for Patrick Mahomes? Oh, I think it's a, I think it's a good comparison. I mean, I don't think there's any, any question. You know, I think – what probably Patrick doesn't get as as much credit as he deserves for is his ability to be just an absolute killer from the pocket. He, I mean, he is so good. You know, he makes so many sublime plays outside the pocket, scrambling around and, you know, throwing it left-handed or throwing the no-look stuff that he does. Uh, they're so good that it takes away from how damn good he is in the pocket. And his ability to manipulate coverage, his ability to, to – uh, to really just eviscerate teams from the pocket is is exceptional, and but I think it's an apt comparison. Their ability to scramble around and make plays. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is just he's he's special. He's as much as I'd like to hate him um, because of my Denver ties. I, I just can't. He's that good. He's so much fun to watch. Right now, we're joined by Mark Schleyer for a couple more minutes here, getting his thoughts on Super Bowl Fifty Eight. A lot has been made about Brock Purdy, calling him a game manager. Mm-hmm. Going up against this Kansas City defense, do you think that Brock Purdy can play well enough to win this game? Oh, absolutely. But again, you've got to you've got to be who you are. Like, do I think that they can get involved in a a drop back game like they have the last couple of weeks for for sixty minutes and win? Nope, I don't. But if you run the ball, and Kansas City is not the best at defending the run, if you run the ball effectively up your play action off of that and you possess the ball and and this is one of the things you know i'm always big on is a couple things that never change in the nfl if you control line of scrimmage you win that that's how the nfl works and you can go through any week in the nfl i mean i'm telling you any week in the nfl show me the team that had the most attempts okay that most rushing attempts i'll show you the team that won 85 percent of the games and that that doesn't change you attempt, you get rushing te- attempts, you set up your play action off of that, you possess the ball. The big thing to me is possess the ball and eliminate three possessions for Kansas City. Get them down from a 12-possession game to a 9-possession game or an 8-possession game, and that will give you the chance to win the game. You don't do that. If you give them all 12 possessions, you're going to get beat. I got Kansas City winning this game 23-17. to I think Kansas City has the better coach. I think Kansas City has the better quarterback. I think Kansas City has the better defense. And, and in a one-game scenario, I just want to be on Patrick Mahomes' side as yeah, opposed I get to being you. on Brock Purdy's side. I get you. Who do you have on Super Bowl Sunday? I got the Niners 27-24, and uh, I would not put a penny on that bet. <laughs> because Patrick Mahomes, as much as uh, I'd love to hate the guy, um, I'm fascinated with greatness, and they are—they have built themselves a dynasty, and they're unbelievable. But I got so many times in San Francisco, and I—I—I I, I, I understand the path that it's going to take to win. 
That is Mark Solera joining us on the show today, one of the better analysts in pro football. He is a three-time Super Bowl champion joining us on the show today. You're here promoting. What are you here promoting yeah, today? I'm, I'm the Stunt app, and it's a new social media platform. It's absolutely awesome in regards to just about sports. And one of the things about social media that's just gotten it's just so polluted politically and everything else that, you know, it, it's just one of those places where you can come, you can create content, you can monetize your content. You know, a lot of times you get the people say, oh, I, that guy's not good. I could do what he does. Well, I always say, come get a taste. You know, set up an audio room or set up a, a video room on the Stunt app. If you can monetize it, you can create it. You can, you know, you can do all those things on the Stunt app. It's a great place to just go interact, talk some smack, talk sports. Um, like I said, create content. It's right there. I do a show every Monday night with Trey Wingo, 6 p.m. Eastern. Check that out. Also, you can uh, you can play trivia. They do a trivia contest every Tuesday and Thursday nights. Chance to win 500 bucks every Tuesday and Thursday night. That is Mark Solaris joining us on the show, helping you get ready for Super Bowl 58 between the Chiefs and the Niners. Great talking to you, My Mark. My pleasure. Thanks for coming Take over care. today. Keep it right here. You're listening to The Drive on 610 Sports Radio. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We are live on Radio Row in Mandalay Bay. The show is moving. Guests are dropping in, dropping out. You guys know how it is. It is Super Bowl 58 time. We are here in Las Vegas on Mandalay Bay. I want to read this text really quickly, and then we'll get back to kind of what I had planned, but I think this is important. CDOT, you are drunk on the Chiefs. You should call an Uber home for your ride. You're welcome. Now, you guys know. 
I am certainly not sunshines, unicorns, and rainbows guy. I try to shoot it straight. I try to tell you guys how I feel, even though sometimes you guys crush me for it. Tell me, text line, 913-586-7610, if I have said anything that is incorrect. If you believe that defense wins championships, and that has been a quote that we have been told our entire existence about sports, if you believe that, what team do you think has the better defense heading into this game? If you're going to tell me, hey, man, defense wins championships, okay, all right, cool. What team do you think has the better defense? Well, I, I think it's the Chiefs. All right. Okay. I agree. I think it's the Chiefs, too. Well, you know, the NFL, it's a quarterback league. It's so important to go find and identify that franchise quarterback. you got to have them. So that's so we, we believe the defense wins championships. Advantage Kansas City. We also believe that the NFL is a quarterback league. Advantage Kansas City. Oh, well, it's about coach-quarterback combination. You know, that's, you know these, like, sayings that we have about the NFL. Oh, you got to have the right coach-quarterback combination. We're talking about one side has Montana and, and Walsh. One team has Brady and Belichick. One team has Don Shula and, 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 and Bob Greasy. We are talking about an all-time coach-quarterback combination heading into the Super Bowl. The other one is Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy. Just if we are just simply just throwing out all the information, hey, why do you think Kansas City is going to win? And I'm not expecting any of you to make the, hey, this is how San Francisco wins the Super Bowl argument. How does San Francisco win the Super Bowl? Tell me the kind of game that you think they need to have. Because I would say, at least for this, Rob, and I'm curious if you agree or disagree on this, I don't think that Brock Purdy has to outplay Patrick Mahomes. Like, you and I talked about it a couple days ago in the Super Bowl between the Eagles and the Patriots, the one that Nick Foles won. Well, Nick Foles had four touchdowns in the game. He caught a touchdown. He played exceptionally well. I don't think that you need Brock Purdy to do that in this game if you're San Francisco. In fact, I feel very strongly in this game that he, in fact, will not outplay Patrick Mahomes in this game. I would be stunned, floored, shocked if that was the case. You know what I think Brock Purdy needs to do? I think he needs to throw for 250 yards, at least one touchdown, and no interceptions. I think that's a game that San Francisco could win. I don't think they're the favorite in that scenario, but if you were telling me right now if you are a San Francisco 49ers fan and you could press the button right now on Brock Purdy for 21 pass attempts, or to me, 21 completions, 31 attempts. He throws for 255 yards, one touchdown, and no interception. I think you run to press the button. I think I, I think you are happy, especially with how he's played the first two weeks. He was bad against Green Bay. Bad. He looked like he was not going to beat the allegations. He looked like he was not going to beat the charges about him being a game manager. And it felt like it, everything was about to crumble. He put one drive together against Green Bay's defense. Fast forward to the next week against the Detroit Lions. Played okay. I don't, I don't want to say he was bad. He was certainly not great in the game against the Detroit Lions. I don't think that Brock Purdy needs to outplay Patrick Mahomes on Sunday. I don't think that that's possible. I don't think it's likely. Probably a better way of saying it. I don't think it's likely. I think you need him to throw for 250 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, 
and you got to let your stars be stars. I don't think that Brock Purdy is a star quarterback. I think he is a more than capable one. There is a difference. I think Brock Purdy is capable of winning this game, but I think he's capable if Christian McCaffrey has a good day. If Debo Samuel is a difference maker in this game, if you can get a big play downfield from Brandon Ayuk, if San Francisco does something that the last six teams that have played Kansas City haven't been able to do, and that's you have to force Patrick Mahomes to make a mistake. This season, the Chiefs have not lost a game in which Patrick Mahomes has not thrown an interception. So if you think that Mahomes is going to play a clean game, then you're not beating him. How you beat Kansas City this year was by forcing them to make mistakes, was by forcing Mahomes into a bad decision, a bad pass. And the playoff version of him just does not do that. That's why I said I understand if this was a Week 7 game why you would pick San Francisco to win. In fact, I probably would pick San Francisco to win this game if we were talking about a Week 7 game. But the Chiefs are a completely different team in Week 22 than they are at Week 7. And, Rob, I just can't get myself to find a lot of different scenarios. And I'm not saying it's got to be an any given Sunday scenario, but I just can't find a lot of different ways to see how San Francisco wins this football game. I pulled up Brock Purdy's game log because you're asking about what's the path for Purdy to beat Patrick Mahomes. And something pretty obvious, like a duh moment stood out, when they don't turn the ball over, Brock Purdy and the Niners are a lot better. Against Philly, they smoked the Eagles, by the way. They went into Philly and absolutely humiliated the Eagles. Like, I know we look back with hindsight now and go, oh, the Eagles weren't that team. At the time, we thought the Eagles were that team. Brock Purdy, no picks. Earlier this season against Dallas, a time again, hindsight is different, but at the time we thought, oh, man, Dallas is that team. No picks. So I think the path for Purdy is not that dissimilar to Patrick Mahomes. Because we have been saying since the playoffs started, if Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs play clean football, they can win. You are the one that's hammering the formula. No turnovers. Get the ball to your stars. You can go win the game. I think that same formula exists for San Francisco. The difference is the defenses. But if Purdy throws for 250-plus and does not turn the football over and he gets the ball to Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, McCaffrey, I think the Niners are in this football game. So you ask, what's the path for a Niners win? I think it's very similar to the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs and the Niners have the same formula. If our quarterback doesn't give the ball to the opponent, we have a good shot. Because even though Patrick Mahomes is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time already, this season, this team, this roster has not been able to overcome his errors like they have in years past. So I think Purdy and the Chiefs have the exact same thing. They're the Spider-Man meme. Keep the ball in our hands, and we have a shot because we have enough playmakers to go out there and win the football game. This is where I'll disagree with you just a little bit. Not that much, but just a little bit. I saw Kansas City's defense play an A-plus game in the AFC Championship game. Like, it is almost impossible for your defense to play better than they played against Baltimore. I mean, their defense forced three turnovers, got a turnover on the red zone. They stopped the other team from running the football, made them one-dimensional. The Chiefs' defense in their last game checked every single box. And even despite that, they still needed the offense to make one play when it mattered most. And that's when the decided quarterback advantage really came into play. 
I love Lamar. Lamar deserved to win MVP this year. Do you trust Lamar Jackson on that third and six, third and seven to make that throw to clinch your opportunity to go to the Super Bowl? And let me ask you if you were picking San Francisco or think they could win this game. At some point in this game, I don't know when it's going to be. It doesn't always have to be in the final two minutes of the game. We all know. We watch football. There is going to be a third and seven with three minutes to go in the third quarter, and the Chiefs just scored. San Francisco just got the ball. The crowd is going crazy. you got to put a drive together to go win this game. Do you trust Brock Purdy to make that play? Because I trust Christian McCaffrey to make that play. I trust Debo Samuel. I trust Brandon Ayuk. I trust George Kittle. Do you trust that quarterback to make the play? And that has been one of the biggest questions this season in the entire National Football League. Think about all the storylines that have really prevailed this season. I'm not talking about the one-week story about that Chargers fan that was a plant that just popped up. I'm talking about things that we talk about every single week in the National Football League. Brock Purdy is one of the biggest questions, and we will all likely get the answer to that on Sunday. Can you want to ask me, like, hey, go ahead, go ahead, Rob. I'm going to say, can I ask you a question, though, because you're right about the decided quarterback advantage. But I want to pose that question differently to you. Does the decided weapon advantage the Niners have overcome that quarterback advantage? Because one thing where it was like, hey, you don't trust Lamar to make that play, you trust Patrick Mahomes to make that play is, even though the Ravens' weapons are better than the Chiefs, I don't think it's a landslide. I think it was like a 79 to an 84. You still feel like you're in the same ballpark. That is not the case with the Niners. You would take Ayuk over every receiver on the Chiefs. You would take Debo. I know you're not a big Debo fan. You would take Debo over these receivers. Kittle and Kelsey, let's just call a wash, but I would lean Kelsey. And as good as Pacheco is, McCaffrey is light years better than him. Is there a chance that the weapon advantage the Niners have can wash out that quarterback advantage because it simplifies and makes life easy for Brock Purdy? I think maybe to answer your question, and you know I love a good analogy. On one side, you have a master chef. You have Emerald Lagasse. You have Gordon Ramsay. And he just went to Walmart to get the, the ingredients for the meal. You know, just got just went to Walmart. You know, I'm not saying Walmart's terrible, but, you know, Walmart isn't Whole Foods. It's not Trader Joe's. It's not one of those kind of places. So you're right. One team has better ingredients than the other team. But who's also preparing the meal? Where I have seen that Patrick Mahomes, hey, it doesn't matter where you get the food from. We're going to figure out a way to make it taste like a five-star meal. I mean, this Chiefs team... Let's be real. They have three offensive players, skill position, skill position players that you trust. They are outmanned and outgunned in this matchup. The other team has the better wide receiver, at least this season. They had the better tight end, now postseason version of Travis Kelsey. But this season, they had the better tight end, and their wide receiver group is noticeably better than Kansas City's. Like, it is not close between Debo Samuel, Brandon IU, Jawan Jennings. It is not close between the weapons that they have. I just trust the Cooks a lot more on one side than I trust the other. I trust Andy Reid. I trust Patrick Mahomes. And in a matchup like this, I think that they are able to make up the deficiencies in the rest of the roster, where at least for San Francisco, their quarterback at times can be the deficiency, and he is the reason why you lose. Why did they lose to San Francisco, or excuse me, why did they lose to Cleveland earlier this year? Brock Purdy played terribly in that game. Why did they lose to Baltimore earlier in this year? Because Brock Purdy played terribly in this game. So at least for me, that's how I would maybe break it down. I don't disagree with you. 
it is obvious who has the better running backs, who has the better wide receivers, who has the better skill position players. But that's been the case for Kansas City in probably 18 of the 20 games that we've seen them play this year. Like, this is not a great skill position group for the Chiefs. And somehow they made it work all the way to the Super Bowl. That's fair. I do like that cooking analogy. They have they have the better cook but the worse ingredients. I would push back, though, on where you said those Ravens game and the Minnesota game, Brock Purdy's deficiencies are why the Niners lost. It's worth noting you're also pointing out games where Debo was hurt and the advantage in skill position was not as dramatic. When they've had their guys, when they've had their full assortment, they have been a problem. I'm not saying they're a wrecking crew. I'm not saying they're the 07 Pats just laying waste the NFL, but they don't really take L's when Brock Purdy's job is to be CP3. Get the ball to Ayuk. Get it out of your hands. Let them make the plays. Mark Schler was just on the show, and he explained it perfectly. Hey, it's a timing thing. Get the ball to that guy and let him take a three-yard play and make it a 12-yard play. So I would push back on the notion of those Browns, that Browns and Minnesota game being an example of, see, the deficiency of quarterback undid them because that's one of the games where they didn't have the overwhelming weaponry advantage. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, like, if you were asking me, how can this game be close? How can San Francisco win this game? I think that's it. I mean, this is the beginning of our conversation, which is perfect because we got to take a break here soon anyway. I don't think that they I don't think that San Francisco needs Brock Purdy to be great. I don't think he can be bad. I think he was bad against Green Bay. If he plays how he played against Green Bay, San Francisco is getting blown out in this game. If their defense allows Kansas City to jump on top of them the way that the Lions did and kind of gain that momentum, I am telling you that Kansas City will not be shell-shocked in this game the way that I thought the Lions that I think Kansas City can weather the storm just much better than we saw. I certainly want to give enough respect to the Chiefs' opponent. I mean, out of the 26 games that Brock Purdy has started for San Francisco, they have won 21 of them. They are a good team. You could maybe argue that they are the better team. If we are just going just strictly by the paper, strictly by the numbers, this player against this player, who do you like more? But in this game, I wonder if if having the quote-unquote talent advantage, is that enough to make up for the fact that the other team has advantages in the things that really matter most? And wide receiver advantage is good, but I've got the advantage at head coach. Having the advantage at tight end potentially is a really good one. I've got the advantage at quarterback. And if you have the advantages in those bigger things that really decide the game, can San Francisco do enough things that sort of tilt the, the favor in their balance let's talk let's continue to talk about Brock Purdy coming up on the other side because I think a lot of the Brock Purdy feelings really come down to one game this season we'll talk about it keep it right here you're listening to 610 Sports Radio T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Brought to you by Deep Esqually Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this. On your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Kansas City, it's Isaiah Pacheco. You're listening to The Drive with Keraton Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. So I'm pretty sure that you guys remember that song, Lose Yourself by Eminem, and how you only get one shot. You can't blow your opportunity. I do think that the opinion about Brock Purdy really centers around two things. It centers around, I think the perception is, and I don't think it is a wrong perception. Hey, man, they gave you everything. You were selected into a perfect environment. Look at the coach that you have. Look at the offensive line that you have. Look at the running back. Look at the weapons. Look at the defense. I mean, he was born on third base. He's Ryan Day, Ohio State's head coach. I think that's the perception around Brock Purdy. So I think people are waiting. Hey, man, you're playing really well. Because I would say that the tone around Brock Purdy, for the most part, was what was generally optimistic. And then they had a couple injuries. And I think everybody starts kind of piquing their interest. Hey, hey, I want to see what this looks like. All right. You don't have every single advantage given to you. Your team's a little bit banged up. It's not ideal. What do you look like? How do you play in this scenario? I think we all wanted to see. And let me tell you, that boy Brock Purdy was an absolute stinker in the month of October. Now, you're right. They didn't have their number one wide receiver. They didn't have their best offensive lineman. He didn't have the most overwhelming talent in the league. He just had a good team. Not a potentially great team. He just had a good team. And let me tell you, for three weeks, he was incredibly average. Against Cincinnati, they scored 17 points. He threw two interceptions. Against Minnesota, in a nationally televised game, he had one touchdown and two interceptions in that game as well. So I think people were kind of looking for that one, you know? 
But I think for the most part, people were willing to look past it a little bit, and they were maybe even willing to give him a second chance. The opinion around Brock Purdy centers around how he played in that Monday night football game against the Baltimore Ravens. That was the sixth most watched regular season game this year, and it was the second most watched Monday night football game since 1996. All of us were watching. It drew more than 27 million people watched it. It was one of the more popular television events of the year. It's Christmas Day. You're sitting there with your family. You had some nice holiday hash. You got that present that you were asking for, and we all wanted to see. All right, hey, San Francisco, you're the best team in the league. I want to see how you look. And, boy, did Brock Purdy lay an absolute stinker. Rob, let's be clear about where the conversation, at least locally, I can't speak for everywhere, where I think the conversation around Brock Purdy, where it starts in Kansas City. I think it starts from, hey, our quarterback hasn't always had everything. Hey, he went through a situation where you dealt with injuries and you had to overcome it. Hey, you haven't had your number one wide receiver or you traded away. Our quarterback still made it work. Your quarterback laid an egg for three straight weeks, and you couldn't win without having all of these advantages. And then we were willing to give you a second chance. We were willing to let all of it go. Brock Purdy was one game away from winning NFL MVP. One game away. All he had to do was not blow it. And what did he do? Boy, he stunk up the joint against the Baltimore Ravens. He was 18 of 32. 255 yards passing, zero touchdowns. He threw four interceptions in the game. Rob, he had a quarterback rating of 42.6. The highest is 158.3. It was an absolute stinker. Think of the worst movie you've ever seen. For me, that movie is Sucker Punch. The absolute worst movie I'd ever seen. Brock Purdy was worse than that. That's where all of this comes from, from Brock Purdy. Hey, we gave you a couple opportunities. We gave you a couple chances. We gave you the benefit of the doubt the first time. We are not giving it to you the second time. And I think it is hard for Chiefs fans. And I completely understand. Hell, I'm in the same boat that you are. I just saw Kansas City beat the team that blew you guys out last week. If you couldn't handle that team, what makes you think that you can handle Kansas City? I agree with that locally. And you're right. That was the brightest lights. That was the biggest moment. And he shrunk. Like, saying he shrunk is almost unfair to shrinking because he was four picks horrible. But is it possible outside of the local perception that it's unfair to judge him on that one game? Because the Eagles game was 325 Fox, Burkhart, and Olsen. That was like the Nance Romo treatment for Fox. That was a standalone game. Hey, we got the marquee game. Watch us. On the road in Philadelphia, Brock Purdy was sensational. Earlier in the season, Sunday night football, standalone game, Chris Collinsworth, Al, not, Al Michael, excuse me, Mike Tirico, standalone game against a, a team that they thought was going to be really good in the NFC and the Cowboys and the Niners. Brock Purdy was sensational. So I agree he folded in that moment. I have no I have no argument for that. But is it possible that 
conversation is a microcosm of the local because there were other moments where the Niners were on the big stage. Maybe not Christmas Day big stage, but big stage, and he shined. So I think it's a little unfair to Brock Purdy, the people in the text line saying, well, he folds in big games. Look at the Ravens. There were other big games on their schedule, and he went out and played really well in those big games. So is it possible that conversation is isolated locally? Because for obvious reasons, Chiefs fans weren't locked in the Niners games this season. I think, though, those moments end up defining you. And it's not just a Brock Purdy thing. We do this in sports. Like, I know it sounds crazy to think now, but, Rob, do you remember when people questioned if Patrick Mahomes could play well in primetime games? Remember this was a real conversation early on in his career? Remember they lost that game to the Patriots? They lost that game to the Seattle Seahawks? Hey, people were wondering, hey, Pat's good in all these other games, but, man, he's really struggled and they've lost in these nationally televised games. Well, eventually Pat had to start winning those games. I think it's more than just San Francisco has won these games. It feels like they have won somewhat in spite of Brock Purdy as opposed to him being a driving force and a driving factor. Now, he gets credit for the drive against the Green Bay Packers, but I don't give you a whole lot of credit for cleaning up a mess that you created. It's not like San Francisco had three fumbles from Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle and Brock Purdy went out there and saved them. No, San Francisco almost lost to Green Bay because their quarterback was bad, was really bad in the game, and he put one drive together. Or against the Lions. I mean, that Lions offense was humming. Zoom, 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 zoom. And the biggest play of the game, at least the play that people perceive to be the biggest play of the game, he almost threw an interception. Now, I know we can play that ifs and buts and almost, and that sports happened. He threw the ball, and it hit the Sam- and it hit the Lions defender in the face mask. I mean, he was trying to throw an interception. He was trying to give Detroit a chance to go to the Super Bowl. But they're the Lions, so of course they don't want to go to the Super Bowl. So on even the biggest play of the game, we don't give Brock Purdy credit. It's like, oh, man, it hit that guy's face. That's why I say in this. This is going to be the most watched game in the history of of the NFL. The history of of non-World Cup sporting events. This game right here. If Brock Purdy has a chance to either confirm the way that a lot of people think or the same way, and I know this is a weird analogy, but follow me here. You remember when Alex Smith played really well in that game against the Indianapolis Colts, and any time it came up, Hey, you can't win with Alex Smith. People would say, hey, well, what about the game against Indianapolis? It's not his fault that they lost. This game has a chance to be that way for Brock Purdy. If he goes out here and plays well against this defense, you will not hear any more questions about Brock Purdy moving forward. And at the end of the game, if they hand him the MVP award, the that summer that we spent arguing if Joe Flacco was elite, we will spend this summer arguing if Brock Purdy is a top-five quarterback in the NFL if he plays well. That is how reactionary we all are when you play in a game that everybody is watching. You know that. You and I have seen this too much. It, it, is, it is very different if you play poorly on a Sunday at noon or if you play poorly Sunday on Sunday night football. And Brock Purdy, unfortunately, he has played poorly in the games that we all have been watching. A couple of playoff games, that Christmas Day game, and now we're heading into the game that all of us are watching. Not just 27 million people. I mean, 27 million people times six are going to be watching this game. And I just don't know why you have a whole lot of confidence that Purdy is going to play well. Maybe he doesn't 
completely stink it up. But I don't know why you can think that Brock Purdy is going to play well in this game, not against this defense. That's interesting. You, I agree with you. We are, as an NFL fan base, super reactionary. You're right. We argued about Joe Flacco's elite status. After the Rams beat the Bengals, people argued if Matt Stafford's a Hall of Famer. I get the reactionary part of this. I understand. But you think if the Niners win, the conversation about Brock Purdy becomes top five quarterback? Because I think if Purdy wins, the conversation around him stays the same. It's okay, well, now he's done it once, but let's see him when he gets paid. Or, all right, well, that's only because he's a seventh-round guy. Let's see him when he has no weapons because maybe this is a microcosm of the text line. Remember when Joe Burrow came to Kansas City and won the AFC title game? The conversation on the text line was not, hey, Joe Burrow's a problem. He's he's a real elite player in the NFL. He's going to be a threat to the Chiefs for foreseeable future. The conversation was, well, just because he has so many weapons, and that's unfair. Wait until he doesn't have weapons. Then he'll come tumbling down to earth. That was the conversation around Joe Burrow, and everyone thinks Joe Burrow's better than Brock Purdy. You don't think Purdy gets caught in the same wash of, hey, it's just the weapons. It's not you no matter what the outcome is? This is where I think it's different. None of the other young quarterbacks have broken through. Now, I will give Chiefs fans a lot of credit for this. If you beat Patrick Mahomes, there is a measure of you kind of got to tip your cap a little bit because Chiefs fans understand how hard it is to do. We have seen teams with a lot of good weapons go up against Kansas City, right? Like Buffalo has really good weapons. We've seen a lot of teams with good weapons, good scenario. The only teams, the only players that have eliminated Patrick Mahomes from the postseason are Tom Brady, who is the greatest quarterback of all time, and Joe Burrow, number one overall pick, Heisman Trophy winner, $300 million man. If if Brock Purdy goes out there and throws for 270 yards, two touchdowns, and no interception, I'm telling you on Monday, I'm giving him his credit. <laughs> Nobody else has to give him credit. We can come up with any other reason. I will give him his credit. I will give him his respect. Hey, I know how hard this Chiefs defense is. I know how great Patrick Mahomes is. I know the advantages. I, I I think, I don't know, I think Chiefs fans will tip their cap and say, hey, you got us. And in this scenario, in this conversation that we're having, Brock Purdy would be the only other young quarterback who has a ring. I love Lamar. He doesn't have a ring. He's never been to the Super Bowl. I love Josh Allen. Josh Allen has never been to the Super Bowl, doesn't have a ring. If you're telling me that it is Patrick Mahomes' two rings, Brock Purdy one, everybody else zero, I feel like you're going to have to tip your cap a little bit and be like, hey, maybe that guy is a little bit better than I was giving him credit. You know, maybe that guy is maybe that guy is a little bit better than I was anticipating. We can keep this conversation going on the other side, 913-586-7610. We're going to be joined by Nate Taylor of The Athletic. We're going to be joined by Greg Papa. He is the play-by-play voice for the San Francisco 49ers. We are live in Radio Row getting you ready for Super Bowl 58. Coming up on the other side, I don't care how confident you are in the Chiefs, there is no person that people have more confidence on than Travis Kelsey. I'll give you the numbers next. Keep it right here. It's the drive. The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car wreck? Get the money you deserve. Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Kansas City, it's George Carlos, and you're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Now, I got to call some shenanigans on you guys. 
because all I keep hearing is, I'm tired of this Taylor Swift stuff. Why do you guys keep talking about it? Well, it is influencing the way that you guys bet. Now, I am here telling you guys, the Swifties are not on the DraftKings app. The Swifties are not on FanDuel. The Swifties are not on BetMGM. Travis Kelsey is the most popular player to score a touchdown. Now, I love Travis Kelsey. It is not more likely that Travis Kelsey scores a touchdown in this game than Christian McCaffrey. You call me negative, say whatever you want. Now, maybe this is just an odds. Kelsey has far better odds in this game than Christian McCaffrey does. But to me, if you were creating a parlay, I would just go ahead and throw in that Christian McCaffrey anytime touchdown because he always scores a touchdown. So Travis Kelsey is the most popular anytime touchdown bet. He is the most popular bet for a player to score the first touchdown of the game. And he also is the most popular bet to win Super Bowl MVP at 13-1. to Now, some of you think the NFL is rigged. I'm not saying any names, but some of you think that it's rigged. If you believe the NFL is rigged, then he has to win MVP. Can you guys see the end of the game? The Chiefs win 23-17, I mean, it is a great, thrilling contest. All of us are happy. We all had great big game parties. And Travis Kelsey is on the field, and he's looking for his mom, and he hugs his mom, and his dad, Ed Kelsey, is there, and they have a nice embrace, and Jason is there. And in this scenario, you know Jason is crying. The brothers are crying. He's like, man, you did it. You did it, man. You did it. I love you, man. I, lo- I got this ring for you, man. You know how You know how the Kelseys talk to each other. And then he goes over to Taylor Swift, the biggest pop star we've seen this side of Mike Jackson. And they hug each other and they embrace each other. And then we find out that he won MVP. And then Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift look into the camera and say, we're going to Disney World. If you believe the NFL is scripted, how can you not see that being the ending to the NFL? This season has been about Travis Kelsey's relationship. Sure, it's been about the Chiefs and football. No. This season has been about Travis Kelsey dating the most famous woman in the world. We don't think that's how the season ends. I love it. Sign me up for all the Travis Kelsey props. Sign me up for the NFL being rigged. Kelsey scores a touchdown. Kelsey scores the first touchdown. Kelsey wins Super Bowl MVP. Kelsey hits all of his overs. Travis Kelsey stands there, him and his girlfriend, and they say they're going to Disney World together. That's the way that this NFL season should end. In this scenario, the, does Travis Kelsey propose to his girlfriend to Disney World? No, I don't think they're doing that. That's not what I think. You know what I think? I think that we get this is I I think we get the story at some point this summer. We'll wake up. Me and you will wake up, and you'll roll over, and you'll look at Caroline. She'll be your wife then at this point. You'll be like, babe, how are you doing? I love you. And she'll be like, I'm asleep. And then you'll roll back over. And you know that time 
where, like, you don't have anything to do, so you just get on Twitter or you just get on TikTok. And the first thing you're going to see is a TMZ exclusive that Travis Kelsey has proposed to Taylor Swift while she was getting off the stage at some Eras Tour concert. That happens this summer. So that's not going to happen during the Super Bowl. He doesn't want to take away from the team. Everything that he has done has been about team and trying to keep those two things separate. So I don't think that he's going to bring that to the team. But, oh, don't you worry, because this summer on a random June or July day, we'll get that tweet from TMZ that Travis Kelsey is out the game for good and he is changing his last name to Travis Swift. In this world, though, let's talk about that where he walked out the field having hit the over. He and Jason embraced. They're crying. You did it, man. He and his girlfriends, they're going to Disney World. It's the biggest story in the world that Taylor and Travis are headed to Disneyland. All of this and all that. In that world where Travis Kelsey retires. In that where he and his brother go out in the sunset together. Like, in the scenario you're painting where he has a mega Super Bowl, he wins MVP, he and his brother, who is about to retire, likely embrace, he and his girlfriend head to Disneyland, and he has a summer on the Eras Tour. Isn't in that world there's a New Heights podcast where he says, hey, we're both leaving together, we're going into Canton together? In that part of your storybook ending, you're just not mentioning that potential element? I don't think that Kelsey's going to retire for this reason. If the Chiefs win, if they win, and they will obviously be the favorites and win the Super Bowl, I would argue that the only way that Patrick Mahomes can be the greatest quarterback of all time is he has to do one thing. He has to do one thing that Tom Brady never did. No quarterback ever has won three in a row. If there is any quarterback that you think it's possible, it's this guy. I don't think Travis Kelsey walks away from trying to help Patrick Mahomes get to that and having the opportunity to be a part of it, especially when it looks like Taylor is having fun at the games. I mean, every time I see her, she's sitting there, she's got a drink in her hand, she's laughing, she's smiling, she's wearing nice clothes, and everybody just looks happy. I mean, she likes going to Chiefs games. So next season, you know what? She'll be back at more Chiefs games. Her, Brittany, and all the other Chiefs wives and girls friends. No, Travis is not. Travis is finishing out his contract with the Chiefs. He, he, he is finishing it out. He's going to give himself that opportunity, if they win, to go three in a row. They will have a chance to three-peat next year. They will have a chance to three-peat. They are going to make improvements on the in the wide receiver room. We'll see what decision they make with Snead and Chris Jones. They will have as good of a chance of any team in our lifetime to win three in a row if they win on Sunday. I just don't think Travis Kelsey is walking away from that. He still talks about football with a passion and a fire and an enthusiasm. I don't think that he's ready for this game to be his last game. Now, maybe this summer he maybe ain't putting in the work that he normally is in a normal summer because, hey, his time is a little bit more divided than it usually is. But I fully expect, regardless of the outcome of Sunday's game, I expect Travis Kelsey to be there front and center for all the things that really matter for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, he might not come to any of the optional stuff next year and he'll only be there for the mandatory stuff but i fully expect travis kelsey to be part of the kansas city chiefs next season coming up on the other side we'll be joined by the play-by-play voice of the san francisco 49ers as we continue to get you ready for super bowl 58 between the chiefs and san francisco that's coming up keep it right here it's the drive on 610 sports radio
Welcome back to The Drive on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com, and the Odyssey app. We are expected to be joined by the San Francisco 49ers play-by-play voice here, Greg Papa, coming up in just a little bit, to take a closer look at Super Bowl 58 between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. He is actually sitting down right now. Let's go ahead and get him prepared to come sit down, and let's take a closer look at this game. Greg Papa, the play-by-play voice of the San Francisco 49ers, joins us on the show today. Greg, we appreciate you taking time to sit down with us. How are you, man? This is a chief radio station? It is. We're good. We're I, good. I'm born and raised I, in I Kansas City. I have great City. respect for the, for the <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs. And I did the Raiders games for 21 years. So, I, I mean, I was old. The first Super Bowl I remember was Super Bowl Four, And really it was called... Super Bowl four, but the first three they didn't call. It was the AFL-NFL World Championship, and Lamar Hunt came up, obviously, with Super Super Bowl, Super Bowl, and I remember that game, you know, 65 toss power trap. First game I ever really watched was them take apart the Vikings 23-7. Did the Raider games for 21 years, and Al Davis had a great hatred for Lamar Hunt, but he was tight with Hank Stram. Hank Stram actually did Raider preseason games on tv for a while which was kind of odd so and now with the niners we just saw you guys five seasons ago four years ago in the in the championship game so i i I come i come with respect i come in peace i have great respect for the chief kingdom i got great respect for san francisco as a team where brock purdy has made 26 starts in his nfl career and they've won 21 of them this has been the second best team in the nfl behind kansas city Let's start with Brock Purdy because he seems to be one of the more polarizing players in the National Football League. There are some people, you remember they were calling him Joe Montana and Tom Brady at one point this season. There's some people who think he uh, thinks he stinks. You have got a chance to see every pass that Brock Purdy has thrown. How do you feel about San Francisco's young QB? Well, I, I, we, I go back to when he was drafted as the last pick in the draft, and he was drafted in Las Vegas, Nevada, when the draft was here a couple of years ago in 22, and he was the last pick, obviously, Mr. Irrelevant. And, 262 and we could see it right away organized team activities mini camps training camp whoa this guy reads progressions he goes through it boom 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 ball out and then when he got to play in the preseason you saw it and then when you know trey lance got hurt and jimmy got hurt he jumped right in in the middle of a game against miami they had a cover zero blitz in a third and ten and he told kittle you know cut your route off a little shorter you're the hot. They're going to bring cover zero blitz in my face. Got him the ball, and they just roll. And then this year he got hurt last year in the championship game. So um, I love the guy. My nickname for him is Big Brain Brock. Look at the brain on Brock because he's, he's six feet, five eight, seven inch tall. He's got small hands. He doesn't throw the ball the way Patrick does, but he processes information incredibly quickly his cognitive test the s2 test they they give you when you come into the nfl uh, he scored in the in the almost 100 percentile very high 90s where you know people like drew Brees, other quick thinkers i'm sure patrick is there as well now patrick has the uber talent and the whippy arm and brock has to make up for it by uh, you know being ahead of the game seeing the field anticipating throws which he does so we feel i feel great about him in this game the games where he struggled, though, take the rain games out when he had our time gripping and ripping it. Teams do come with middle pressure on him. Chris Jones, you know, lining up over our right guard, John Feliciano, and Brock being a, a right-handed quarterback in the midline behind the center, throws right over the right guard. And then, you know, all of our in-breaking routes, the 
Kittle over the middle, the Debo dig, the Ayuk slant, the McCaffrey choice route, the Texas route where he cuts it back. I'm sure Nick Bolton and Tranquil and those guys will be choking off the middle. So it'll be a great matchup, obviously, with Brock and his brain. How does he read Spags's post-snap, not just the pre-snap when they're lining up when they snap the ball, they rock and roll out of that. Will Justin Reed come flying down and make it an eight-man box? Will he go from an eight-man box out and rock and roll out of it? You know, Brock's got to be able to see it pre-snap, get in the right call, and then more importantly, when it's post-snap, now how do they all adjust on what Spags is doing? Right now, we're joined by the play-by-play voice of the San Francisco 49ers, taking a closer look at Super Bowl 58 between the Chiefs and the Niners. What do you see as a key or maybe the biggest key to a Niners win? Because I'm looking at it, I would have voted for Christian McCaffrey to win MVP. I understand that it is a quarterback award, and Lamar was great down the stretch. But I think from week one until the end of the season, I thought McCaffrey was the best and most consistent player in the league. I think McCaffrey probably needs to have 125 total yards and probably two touchdowns. Like, he needs to win Super Bowl MVP to me for San Francisco to win this game. What keys well, do you I, think are to a San Francisco You're on it. I mean, yeah, but if you're Steve Spagnuolo, what, what's the first thing you're trying to do? Take him out of the Take game. 23 <laughs> out. So we're going to load the box. Now, they, they play a lot of two-man with a two-safety shell high, like I was talking about earlier, with Edwards and Reed, 20 and 21, 21 and 20. Um, but, you know, the Buffalo game, Buffalo ran on Kansas City in the first half. They started to come down, and they've got fast linebackers. You can believe it's those blitzes are not always blitzes on pass plays to sack the quarterback. They're run blitzes. And you bring those two guys, Bolton and Tranquil, they were running back numbers, and they run like running backs. I look at Bolton, he only runs a 4-6. I'm like, damn, I think he's faster than Marcus Allen wearing 32 in red. I mean, they come downhill and they stuff the run. Will Willie Gay play in this game? So I think Spags is going to shut down the run game, especially in the early down, the mixed downs. Now, if Brock sees a loaded box, you know, we run it against loaded boxes too. We can go, you know, Kyle Juszczyk, double tights, and just run it at you. And I think we're going to run the ball at Chris Jones in this game. He's a great pass rusher. He's an indifferent run player. When you double team him, He'll stand straight up, and you can ride him out. So I, I think we're going to try to run at 95. But um, they're going to have 32, 23, 20 coming down. They're going to slam the run game right behind it. So, you know, if we just cannot run the ball and they stuff McCaffrey, and Christian's tough, even when it's well blocked, he'll get more. But this, you know, they're, they're going to load up and take him away. You're going to have to make throws as well to win this game, and your corners are obviously you know, McDuffie's a great player. Sneed's a great player. You know, Watson, when you bring 35 in, is a great player. So, you know, even number two can play, Williams. So, anyway, um, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. But that's, they all know that. So then how do we adjust when Spag starts loading that box? And he's saying what you're saying. McCaffrey's the best player in the league. Everything runs through McCaffrey. So we're going to take McCaffrey out of this game. Right now, we're joined by Greg Papa. He is the play-by-play voice for the San Francisco 49ers, getting you ready for Super Bowl 58 between Kansas City and San Francisco. Greg, I've got my questions about the San Francisco defense. I didn't have many of them over the course of the regular season. I mean, these two defenses, so Kansas City allowed 294 points. San Francisco allowed 298. So these two defenses wow. were, were pretty I'm comparable. I'm stealing that note, by the way. You can have that one. These two defenses were pretty comparable through over the course of the season. They were not comparable in the postseason. 
what happened to San Francisco's defense? What's changed the last Well, and when you go back and do the breakdown, you know, I'd take it from when Talanoa Funga, our safety all-pro last year, got hurt. And Jair Brown's played well. He's missed some games. Logan Ryan's mixed in. I think with Ufunga, he's the guy, like I was talking about with Justin Reed, that just comes down and slams the run, sometimes blitzes off the edge, an extra edge setter. So losing Ufunga hurt us. And then, you know, there were games. They go back and watch the Cleveland game early in the year. Bill Callahan, their great offensive line coach, now he's with his son, Brian, who got a head coaching job in the NFL in Carolina. They ran what's, you know, the old days, they call it a, 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 a toss crack. Now it's a pin in the pole where an outside receiver or tight end cracks down on a defensive end. They pull the tackle and the guard out. They, they ran that play all year against us. We couldn't stop it early in the year. And now that we've lost Cleveland Furl, our defensive end, who was starting opposite of Nick Bosa, the former Raider, high draft pick. Um, Chase Young's been playing more in that spot, and they're picking on him. They're... They're ear-holding him. The way our ends come up the field, it's a wide nine. They just get up the field. and So if you have a, a, a wide receiver, tight end, you know, Watson could do it for you, 84. He's a good blocker. He's a big guy. Or you just send, you know, you can send either one of the tight ends, uh, the receivers, whoever, and he's just getting up the field, and all of a sudden you got a, a wide receiver just ear-holing him, cracking him. That's the pin, and then you run that side, and you bring the tackle and the guard out, now, all of a sudden, you got two mammoth men pulling, and you're getting to the edge. So our run defense has not been good. They picked on us all year with that play. Cleveland showed them with Bill Callahan how to do it, and then teams just kept doing it. Green Bay would do it with a different action. They would do it with a play called a flip 90, where you fake the jet sweep motion going one way, and you flip the back going the other way. Aaron Jones got the edge that way. Obviously, Detroit trampled us early in the game. They ran a Z reverse with Jamison Williams, their fast receiver, getting out to the edge, and we were sloppy on the backside, and he ran for a touchdown. What Andy does so well is that jet sweep motion. Remember the game we played you last year in October at Levi's? McCole Hardman had three touchdowns all in the same action, whether it's a jet pass or a jet sweep. It's a jet sweep when the quarterback's under center, he turns and hands it. It's a jet pass for the quarterbacks in the gun, and he flips it to you. Either way, he scored three touchdowns, all going to Nick Bosa's side. They didn't block Bosa. They influence blocked him where he thought he's getting blocked. His The footwork of the lineman, Andy, Andy Reid's a genius in offensive football, and in particular offensive line nuanced. So how is he going to get to the edge on us? Is he going to run pin and pull, toss cracks? Maybe. I know he's going to run jet sweeps. So whatever it is. Your, your, your offense is sophisticated. Andy's over there, by the way, the fat Andy Reid here. <laughs> He's, he heard me talking about him. Didn't you be coaching your team, Coach? What are you doing here? And the fake and the Andy, Andy impersonator. It's unbelievable. But anyway, um, we'll see how it all Now, we got to set the edge. We, now, if you start setting the edge too much, they're going to run Pacheco inside. That's the yin and the yang, where they've been watching tape. We all have. We know where the weakness is. They're going to attack it. And we're going to stop that. We don't worry. If you're going to beat us on the edge, then, you know, Chase Young set the edge. All right, now, he's out wide, he's setting the edge. We'll lift him right underneath, and they'll run Pacheco right under him. So, that it's it's the, like I was talking pre-snap, post-snap. You have thoughts how you want to do it in the game. 
and then, you know, you have to adjust when the game gets played. Let me get you two more questions, and I'll right. get you out of here. The yeah. first question is about Patrick Mahomes. You mentioned that you were the play-by-play voice for the Raiders for 20 years. Now you're in San Francisco. You have seen all the great quarterbacks of the last 30, 35 years. Where does Patrick Mahomes rank on your list? Pure skill? Damn. I don't know. I, mean, I see John Elway in him. Um, Randall Cunningham is a great thrower. Um Dan Marino, Joe Namath, when I was a kid with no knees and flicked the ball 60 yards. He's, uh, he's amazing. He's uh, Coming out of college, I didn't like him. I thought he was reckless, and he held the ball down low and throwing sidearm. What's he doing? He's, he's uber talented. And now beyond that, the talent's obvious. It's the, um, it's the mind, the way he's able to manage the game like a great player. i got to go in two minutes. All right, I'll get you out of here with this last question. Then we ask everybody this question. Give me your Chiefs win-if scenario. Give me your Niners win-if scenario. The Niners is McCaffrey. And us. And not only McCaffrey, it could be Elijah Mitchell. It could be Debo Samuel. If you're loading up my McCaffrey, we have something called 11 Tyson, which is, you know, Debo's given name is Tyson, but Kyle Shanahan can't pronounce it, so it's 11 Tyson. <laughs> and they 11 personnel, Debo comes in motion and lines up in the backfield, Deadpool they call it. If Debo could be a runner and get to the edge, if you're keen on McCaffrey, we'll send McCaffrey one direction. Three guys go with McCaffrey, we go the other direction. So I think just overall volume of runs. Can we run the ball 30 times? We run the ball 30 times, we win. And then on the other side, what do we do with Kelsey? You know, how to look for possibility of Charverius Ward in certain situations on third down that he's the guy who follows Kelsey around with that length. The fact that he knows him, well, I don't think they practice much against each other. He's our best cover corner. Your best, Rasheed Rice, is good, but on third down, we know where Mahomes is going. He's going to 87. What if we put seven right over him? That is the play-by-play voice of the San Francisco 49ers, Greg Papa, joining us Thank on the show so today, much, Greg. Thanks a good lot for your you, insight and helping us break down Super Bowl 58 between the Chiefs and the Niners. He said something really interesting about Patrick Mahomes. We'll talk about it on the other side. Keep it right here. It's The Drive on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Remember to follow the show on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car wreck? Get the money you deserve. Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. <laughs> Kansas City is Justin Reed. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Welcome back to The Drive on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com, and the Odyssey app. Before we get into very serious football things, very serious sports things, we got some fun Chiefs props. Rob, I don't need any music. I know I'm not in studio, so you got a lot going on. They have gambling odds. Which Chiefs fan will be the first shown during the Super Bowl? First is Paul Rudd at plus 300. Harry Winkler is at plus 350. David Keckner plus 400. Eric Stone Street, plus 400. Jason Sudeikis, plus 400. Rob Riggle, plus 700. Rob, who do you think the first Chiefs fan will be shown? I actually don't think it's going to be Taylor Swift. I think they do that last because, you know, they're going to have the montage of celebrities that are at the game. It'll be Jay-Z and Beyonce sitting there. It'll be Russell Wilson with his wife, Sierra. You know, they'll do that. And then at the end, it'll be, oh, yeah, Taylor Swift is here. She just performed last night during the Eras Tour. I don't think she's first. Who is the first Chiefs fan shown on the television 
during Sunday Super Bowl? I'm going to take Rob Riggle because I've been following Radio Row because you're there, obviously. Cody and Goal were there. I know for a fact Rob Riggle is at Radio Row, which means if Rob Riggle is at Radio Row, Rob Riggle is likely going to the game. And if he's at the game, they are going to show him. So I will take Rob Riggle. I haven't seen Rudd down there. Haven't heard Sudeikis is down there. Haven't heard Keckner's down there, although I wouldn't hear it. He's not a big enough star. I know Riggle is there. He's got some juice behind his name. I'm going to take Riggle as the first Chiefs fan shown. Okay, you know what? Give me Eric Stone Street at plus 400. I like Eric Stone Street to be the first one shown. That makes a lot of sense to me why Eric Stone Street, you know, he was on a very popular show. Stone Street, big Chiefs fan. I do feel like he's going to be at the game. Give me Eric Stone Street at plus 400 to be the first Chiefs fan that they show on Super Bowl 58. So we were just catching up with Greg Papa. He is the play-by-play voice for the San Francisco 49ers. And I want to play to you what he said about Patrick Mahomes. I see John Elway in him. Um, Randall Cunningham is a great thrower. Um, Dan Marino, Joe Namath, when I was a kid with no knees, and flicked the ball 60 yards. He's, uh, He's amazing. He's uh, coming out of college. I didn't like him. I thought he was reckless, and he held the ball down low and throwing sidearm. What's he doing? He's he's uber talented. And now beyond that, the talent's obvious. It's the um, it's the mind, the way he's able to manage the game like a great player. I got to go in two minutes. That was Greg Papa joining us on the show to give us his thoughts about Patrick Mahomes. That really stood out to me because, you know, we're talking about Mahomes, we're talking about Purdy, we're talking about, you know, this year's Super Bowl and looking at the matchup. Rob, great quarterbacks win the Super Bowl. Now, I'm not going to say that every quarterback that has ever won it, but for the most part, if you go and you just type Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, I mean, it's littered with Drew Brees and Tom Brady and just great historic quarterbacks. If Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl, this will be one of those that we talk about for 15, 20, 25 years that is the example of, hey, you don't need an elite-level quarterback. Hey, you can win the Super Bowl if Brad Johnson is your quarterback. You can win a Super Bowl if Trent Dilfer is your quarterback. Now, I'm not saying that Brock Purdy is those players, but Every generation kind of has those players. You know, Nick Foles, hey, you know, they didn't have an elite-level quarterback and they won it. I mean, that will be the example that people use. But, again, for the most part, great quarterbacks win the Super Bowl. If you want to remove everything else from this game, what team has the decided quarterback advantage? And sometimes it's not as apparent as it is in this game. Sometimes it's like last year where you got two really good quarterbacks that you like, Patrick Mahomes, but Jalen Hurts had a phenomenal season last year or a couple of years ago between the Bengals and the Rams. Two really good quarterbacks. I wouldn't say that either team had the quarterback advantage. It is not close. It is not debatable in this game who has the better quarterback. So that's why, at least for me, if you're asking me who am I picking, who do I think is going to win this game, who is the better team, you're going to give me the decided quarterback advantage the decided coaching advantage, and the better defense heading into a single elimination. This is not a series. This is not a double elimination. It is 60 minutes. I just have too many things on my side, Rob, 
for me to take the other side and take San Francisco. I feel the same way. But there are outliers in the course of history. There are times where you go, huh, and you scratch your head. You're right. Usually speaking, the elite quarterback wins the Super Bowl. That's why Brady has a bunch of them. That's why Manning has a couple of them. That's why people like Rodgers and Favre eventually got one. It's because great quarterbacks win them. Elway went to a bunch and won. But it's more, there are outliers historically. You mentioned Foles over Brady. No one thought going into that game, man, the Eagles have a decided advantage. But they were the better team that day. It stands out in history. Oh, can you believe that happened? They got that one. Brad Johnson beat Rich Gannon. Rich Gannon was the MVP that year. I know he's not Tom Brady's status, but he was the MVP. That was a guy that people thought, oh, he can sling it around the yard, and if the Raiders can get the ball moving, watch out because they're a real threat. The first time Brady won his Super Bowl, we didn't talk about Tom Brady like that. Tom Brady at that point was an outlier. He had just beaten the MVP and Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner, same deal. He can sling the ball all over the yard. He can make all these plays. Oh, boy, you got to really watch out for Kurt Warner. There are times in history, they are, you know, glimpses. They are moments where outliers stand out. And Brock Purdy could be one of those outliers. I think he's more talented than Nick Foles, so it's not impossible to believe he does that. Or it's possible to believe that Brock Purdy, who has a lot of statistical things in his category right now at a very young age, could be... The next, wow, I can't believe we missed on that guy because Brady, we didn't know at the time, but he turned into Brady. It's possible Purdy, who has been to an NFC title game and a Super Bowl in his two seasons as starter, might be one of those guys. We just haven't recognized it yet. And maybe with the advantage of history on our side, one day we do say, oh, can you believe you know, Purdy did that, but it's not viewed as some in- inconceivable thing. Do you think that in all the conversations that we've had this week about the quarterbacks, that the pressure is really firmly on San Francisco's defense. Like, Brock Purdy and Patrick Mahomes are not going against one another. I know it's fun to talk about the quarterback matchup, but it's Mahomes against San Francisco's defense and Purdy up against Kansas City's defense. That Niners defense has been really bad so far this postseason. I mean, the Lions scored 31 points against them. Now, don't get me wrong. The Lions were one of the better offenses in the league this year. But San Francisco didn't stop a single thing that we know the Lions want to do. David Montgomery had 15 carries for 93 yards. Jameer Gibbs scored a touchdown in the game. Sam Laporta had 97 yards. Amon Ross St. Brown had 87 yards. Jamison Williams had a big run play, also scored a touchdown. Of the key players on Detroit, that San Francisco defense couldn't take anybody away if you can't stop isaiah pacheco or if you can't keep and manage travis kelsey i just don't know how you plan on beating the kansas city chiefs i mean if we're talking about a game in which isaiah pacheco has 21 carries for 105 yards and a touchdown then i think we're talking about isaiah pacheco being super bowl mvp on monday if we're talking about a game in which travis kelsey plays really well like in this game if you're asking me Who has the greatest probability of going off in this game? I would probably say Christian McCaffrey won just because you know the touches and the volume is going to be there. I think after that, despite the other team having the clear skill position player advantage, 
I think a majority of those players didn't play on Kansas City. I, I would be surprised if we were talking about Brandon Ayuk having 100 yards on Monday. I'd be surprised if Debo Samuel had 120, 125 yards from scrimmage. Kansas City has done such a great job in managing those players. But this this Niners defense, you got to show me that you can stop the run. You didn't stop David Montgomery. You didn't stop Aaron Jones. And the two pass rushers that we know, I mean, if you couldn't stop Sam Laporta for nine catches, 97 yards, and he got the volume, he got 13 targets, you're telling me you stopped Travis Kelsey two weeks later? No, that's not what's happening here. Or Amon Ross St. Brown had a really good day. Now, I'm not saying Rasheed Rice is Amon Ross St. Brown, but you know that he's going to get the targets. Amon Ra had 11 targets. You know that Rasheed Rice is going to get his 9 to 11 targets in this game. I have a lot of questions about San Francisco's ability to manage Kansas City's playmakers. Maybe you keep Kansas City out of the end zone because Kansas City, a penalty, a turnover, something happens in the game. But so far through this postseason, they haven't stopped any of the marquee players. They didn't do that against Green Bay. They also didn't do it against the Lions. I agree it would be the Chiefs against the Niners, D, and that would be advantage Chiefs. But isn't it possible the game script for Sunday plays out like the Ravens game? Because in all those games you pointed out, the Niners' defense folded in the first half, but then bowed up in the second. They looked better against Jordan Love in the second half. They looked much better against Jared Goff in the second half. We saw the game script from last week. The Chiefs' offense vanished in the second half. Is it possible there's a game script where Niners and Chiefs looks like the way it did last week, where the Chiefs' offense jumps out early, but then gets behind the eight ball in the second half? Yeah, no, that certainly is a possibility. I'm just I'm looking at San Francisco's defense in this game. And a major reason of why I'm just surprised that San Francisco is still maintains to be the favorite in this game is you and I don't feel like their quarterback is currently playing at a, not a high level. Like Brock Purdy was not terrible against the Lions. He also just wasn't great either. He threw for 260 yards, one touchdown, one interception. So he was not great in the game against Detroit either. So they're not getting great quarterback play. Their defense is also leaking oil. They've had some critical injuries. Their defense is not playing its best football. The thing that just surprises me about the line, surprises me about the odds, and why they're still favored in this game is I don't really know where San Francisco has the clear advantages in this game. Like, if I'm looking at, I throw all the Kansas City Chiefs information on the table, I throw all the Lions information on the table, I just don't see where San Francisco, you can point to and say, oh, that's where they're noticeably better. If you're telling me the place they're noticeably better are running back and wide receiver, that's something that you can manage. And you guys know, I love Christian McCaffrey. But in this game, Christian McCaffrey has 110 yards, Isaiah Pacheco has 95. I mean, it's an advantage, but... I mean, that advantage is not nearly as big as the gap that Kansas City has at quarterback. Sure, I will give you Christian McCaffrey. On the other side, Isaiah Pacheco, who has had at least 75 yards for scrimmage in his first six postseason games. Isaiah Pacheco is going to have a good day. Now, does he have a great day? We'll see. But he is going to play well in Sunday's game. I just don't really see where San Francisco has a lot of noted advantages, Rob, heading into this matchup. Well, yes and no, because, like, I, I agree with you. They don't have a lot of noted advantages, but we talked about it earlier in the show. They have the clear weaponry difference, and the Chiefs have all season long done a good job of shutting down playmakers of that ilk. The A.J. Browns come to mind. The Tyreek Hills come to mind. They have done a good job on those playmakers, but 
teams that have had multiple layers, multiple chances, multiple weapons with a chance to beat you have given the Chiefs problems in the regular season. I could see a scenario where, hey, the Niners exploit some things that we saw the Chiefs fail in the regular season. Like the Bills have Stephon Diggs, Dawson Knox, Dalton Kincaid, James Cook. In the regular season, they came in Arrowhead and took advantage of that early in the game. Early in the season, Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta, a team with a lot of weapons, came into Arrowhead, took advantage of that. I know the story of the Eagles ended historically bad, but when they came into Arrowhead, they were a team that could run the ball effectively with DeAndre Swift. They had Brown. They had Devontae Smith. They had playmakers at every level. They came in and gave the Chiefs problems. So it's I don't think it's as improbable as you do because I've seen it in the regular season. Now, the Chiefs have turned up about seven notches and don't seem like the same team we saw in November and saw in October and September. They're a different ball club, but we have seen teams that have multiple ways to beat you come in and beat the Kansas City Chiefs. So I don't think it's outlandish to think the Niners could get maybe an Ayuk or a Samuel going. They don't need McCaffrey because they got those two going. Some combination of their four weapons being a problem for the Chiefs. I don't disagree with you there, but I guess I would say in that scenario, you know what you probably need? You probably need then Kansas City to help you in their demise. That in the games that you were alluding to earlier in the season, the Chiefs usually did one thing that we can point to and say, oh, I know why Kansas City lost, because Kadarius Toney had a big drop, because they had this fumble, because they had this interception. They, for the most part, have cleaned up those mistakes where I think you and I agree when it comes to this. If Kansas City plays a clean game, it is going to be very, very difficult to see San Francisco pull off the upset in this one. So coming up in a bit, we're going to be joined by the San Francisco beat writer for The Athletic. But before we do that, Rob, hit me with some music. I want to give you some of my favorite prop bets. (coughs) (coughs) Rob, I'm dying over here. You made me sick, Rob. I'm blaming you. I'm blaming you for making me sick. (coughs) All right. As I cough. As I die, I'm going to push through it, though. Unlike San Francisco, who's crying about fire extinguishers and fire alarms. Rob, my two favorite bets in this game are actually San Francisco bets. Kyle Juszczyk over four and a half yards receiving. I think we get checked down Charlie from Brock Purdy here. I don't know if he's going to have the opportunity to make those big plays down the field. I think Kyle Juszczyk... Gets two to four targets in this game. And if you get two to four targets, you're over a four and a half yards. You accidentally get four yards. You accidentally get five. Give me Kyle Juszczyk over four and a half yards receiving. I'm going to give you another bet that I feel really good about. And don't worry, I got some Chiefs ones in here too. You know what? Money has no money. Money be green. I'm taking whoever I think can help me out in this scenario. Now, this bet killed me last week. I bet real U.S. currency on Clyde Everett-Hilaire. He let me down. His over-under was six and a half yards. He only had one. So I'm not going with Clyde Everett-Hilaire, but I'm going with the San Francisco version of Clyde Everett-Hilaire. I'm taking Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell over-under Rob on rush yards is four and a half. He has hit this in seven consecutive games. How is it so low? Now, I'm not saying it should be 25 or anything. Four and a half yards. He gets goal line carries for them. Elijah Mitchell, if you want two locks, two stone cold locks, 
And I know what you're thinking. I don't want to bet on San Francisco. I want to bet on what I think is going to win. I'm going to give you a couple of bets here before Rob gives you some. Kyle check over under on receiving yards at four and a half. I think we get checked down Charlie from Brock Purdy. I'm also going to take Elijah Mitchell over four and a half rushing yards. Arkin had three quick ones for you because we're up against the break. First and foremost, if you're on FanDuel, our friends over at FanDuel, you will see the over for total points in the first quarter is 7.5. Hit the over there. These two teams are brilliantly coached. I think both teams' first 15 is going to be as good as you see in football. I think this game could be 7-3, to 7-7, 10-3. to three. Something like that at the end of the first quarter, that hits your over on 7.5. I also like Butker over 7.5 kicking points. I think he's getting two like field goals, and I, I think like the Chiefs one. are scoring more than one touchdown. So that you get... Two touchdowns, two field goals, that's eight scoring kicking points from Butker. That's the over of seven and a half. And the last one, if you're feeling spicy, it's plus 2,500 on FanDuel. First drive result, touchdown for the Chiefs and Niners. It's going to come 7-7 out the shoot. Shanahan and Reed are too smart. They've had too long to diagnose and figure things out. Those first 15 for both teams are going to be sensational. It's a spicy bet. Let's put a little money on it. Why not? Plus 2,500. First drive result, touchdown Chiefs, touchdown Niners. All right, I like Isaiah Pacheco to have scored an anytime touchdown in this game. A big fan of Isaiah Pacheco getting the ball on the goal line to punch one in in this game. I also love, and I hammered it, second half under for the Kansas City Chiefs. 24 and a half. Rob, the Chiefs are one of the worst scoring teams in the second half, and their defense is one of the best in the NFL and shutting teams down in the second half. In the 20 Chiefs games this season, the under has hit in the second half 18 times. Cash me out, FanDuel. I got the under in the second half of the Super Bowl at 24 and a half. This feels like free money. Where can I go with this? I can go eat at Golden Steer. I can go eat at Carbone. I'm eating courtesy of the Chiefs. Not scoring in the second half. You know they don't score in the second half. I mean. 18 to 20 times. 18 to 20. The Niners are also a second half defense. We saw that in the postseason too. Coming up in just a bit, we're going to be joined by the San Francisco beat writer for the Athletic. And Nate Taylor is coming by. It is a beat writer palooza here on The Drive. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esqually Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Hey, Chiefs fans, it's Patrick Mahomes. Catch me every Monday with CDOT during the season on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Rob, before I got on the plane... I was perfectly fine. I felt healthy, strong as an ox. Then the plane took off. And then all the problems started. It's like my body just started breaking down almost instantly. My sinuses started flaring up. And you know what? This feels like a flu game for me. Now, I don't want to pat myself on the back and give myself too much credit for playing hurt today. But I feel like I'm. I, I feel like despite not being a hundred percent, I've scored thirty-seven points. I've had twenty-one rebounds, and I've had nineteen assists. And now you know the game is not over yet. But I feel like I, you know, 
I know I'm going to get that standing ovation at the end of the game. Like, I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to put my hand up. Everybody's going to cheer. And I'm going to just, you know, tap my heart and say, you know what, thanks. I appreciate you guys. I feel like, you know, I feel like that's going to happen for me at the end of the show. Do you think that's going to happen for me at the end of the show? No, I don't think that's going to happen for you in the show. But wow. I, do th- I do think, you know what you should do? This is very easy to solve your woes. Just don't go out tonight. It's like Vegas is a town known for a fun nightlife, especially on a Friday of the Super Bowl. I would just hunker down in the hotel, take some Sudafed, and just chill evening. That way you're ready to roll for, you know, Monday back at work. Don't don't have any fun tonight. Definitely don't consume any alcohol. That would be a nightmare. I will say this. Someone says, CDOT, it's official. You're old. I'm so looking forward to a nap when the show is over. I mean, I'm looking forward to 4.45 Vegas time. I'm just looking forward to laying down, you know. Maybe getting hopped up on Sudafed. You got to get the hotel room real, real nice and frosty, you know. You got to get it at a nice 63 degrees. You got to just close the shades and just take a great nap, you know. Wake up just feeling a little bit refreshed. I mean, you can do that when you know that you've put up your version of the flu game. That's what it is. Someone says, CDOT, you need to take emergency at least three days ahead of travel to avoid the airline sickness. I, that was great information to give me on Tuesday. I'm already sick now. I'm already unhealthy. It felt like someone was stabbing me in the ear on the plane ride. Like, I wanted to tell the pilot, yo, turn this around. Please turn this plane around. Land this or land this thing immediately. But you know what? I'm a, I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter. I'm a survivor. I'm not going to give up, Rob. I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to work harder, you know? I'm just going to keep working hard. I'm going to keep trying to do my absolute best because that's all I can do. All I can do is my absolute best. Is it fair Coming to up say- in a I was say, is ahead. it fair to say, much like Jarek McKinnon, you're questionable for the Super Bowl? No, I'm not questionable at all for the Super Bowl, you know? I'm not questionable. Now, I would have been a limited participant in practice today. Like, I wouldn't have done the stretching today. Hey, coach, you got it. It's week, it's week 22. I'm not, I'm not doing the stretching, coach. You got it. You can handle the stretching for today. I'm going to do all the, I'm going to do all the team stuff, but, I'm not doing some of that. I would have I would have for sure been a limited participant. I would have been questionable for the game, but I would have pushed through. Because I'm a champion. I'm a fighter. That's what I try to do. That sounds uh, like OTA energy. A- OTA energy out there. <laughs> come on. Coming up in a little bit, we're going to be joined by Nate Taylor of The Athletic. That's what I'm really looking forward to, for Nate to carry me for the 5 o'clock hour. Really excited and thrilled about this. Uh, I do want to make a very serious football point before uh, Nate Taylor is here. So I have one Radio Road thought and one Super Bowl thought. The first Radio Road thought. If you've never been before, like there are like obvious famous people walking around. Like C.J. Stroud is here. Trevor Lawrence is here. You know, there's like Gronk was here. Julian Edelman. There's like people that are like easily recognizable. You can just walk to like, oh, hey, you're so-and-so. And then you will just walk around and you will see, like, you know they're famous, but you have absolutely no clue who they are. Like, you, I just, I imagine you're a big deal. You're walking around, you have on an Old Spice hoodie. No one just casually wears an Old Spice hoodie. And you have seven people around you. I know you're somebody, but I don't know who you are. So I'm telling you guys this because there is a wrestler walking around here and half of his face is painted 
like he's a Raiders fan, and the other half is not painted, and he's walking around with like an AEW tag team belt. I have no clue who he is. Like genuinely no clue who he is. He might be the best wrestler in the world. I, I don't know. I don't know who he is. Absolutely no clue. That's number one. Number two, before Nate Taylor joins us on the show, is, Rob, is this game really as simple as these two questions? Like, for all the talk that we had, can we boil this game down to two questions? Do you trust Brock Purdy? And do you trust Kansas City's defense to slow down San Francisco's weapons? I don't know if there's any reason to question the Chiefs coming into this game. Like, I haven't heard from any analysis. I haven't heard anybody like, hey, I don't know about that Patrick Mahomes guy. So you feel really confident about their quarterback heading into this matchup. Obviously really confident about their head coach. It feels like there are much more questions on the Niners' side than there are on Kansas City's. So we boil this whole thing down. Two weeks of talking about the same game and trying to look at it from all these different angles. Is it really that simple? Do you trust Brock Purdy heading into this matchup? Because if you are betting on this game, if you are like me, if you're like Rob, if you're like thousands of people, millions of people that plan on putting money down on this game, that to me what it is a vote is. It is a vote of confidence on whether you believe in Brock Purdy or not. So that's number one. And then number two is San Francisco does have a lot of weapons, and this is the most weapons any team that Kansas City's defense has gone up against. This is the best running back that they've gone up against. This is probably the best tight end that they've gone up against this year. And these are two really good, really talented wide receivers. Two really talented wide receivers. Do you trust Kansas City to slow those guys down? So I think that this game comes down to those two things. What do you think, Rob? First off, I want to you know the text line is mad at you for not knowing that Sting's AEW Tag Team Champion. That's that's first and foremost. They are legitimately upset that Sting, a hundred year old Sting, has a tag team partner, and you don't know who it is. That's okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's go back here. So, all right. So, okay, I didn't know. I don't know who Darby Allen is. No disrespect to Darby Allen. I'm just. I'm serious. If you were here at Radio Row, I've seen him like night. You could just go up right now and just talk to him. This. I, it, I'm not the only person who doesn't know who he is. No one's asked him to take a picture. I haven't seen. No one cares that Darby Allen is here. So that's number one. And number two, you're telling me Sting is still wrestling? Bro, Sting's tag team partner was Lex Luger when I was watching wrestling. Sting is still wrestling. Sting is older than he is older than Jim Nance. There's no way Sting is still wrestling. I refuse to believe this. How old is Sting? He has to be 57 years old. Yo, Sting was born in 1959. Bro, if you was alive when I had a dream speech happening, you can't still be wrestling, dog. Come on, man. In the lesser Sting, publication, no give less. it up, bro. Sting, give it up. Sting is full and he's still wrestling? No chance. Text line, why are you lying to me? You're telling me Sting is collecting Social Security and he's still wrestling in the AEW. He not even in the WWF. He not even fighting Roman Reigns. He's not even fighting The Rock. you telling me he in AEW fighting with this 22-year-old dude walking around holding Converse? No, nah, I don't believe y'all. I don't know why you would lie to me. Somebody said yes, but Sting's going to wrap it up, though, in a couple of months. I would hope so. He's 64 and he's wrestling. 
if you are a 64-year-old wrestler, you're really 81 in, in human years. You're not a normal 64-year-old human being. Not at all. You're 87 if you're still wrestling AEW. You're jumping off the top rope in 64? You're doing power drivers and flying elbows? And you and you can eat it at, at Luby's for the discount? No chance. I'm not believing you guys. Coming up on the other side, Nate Taylor of The Athletic will join us in studio, and I'm going to ask him if he wants to create a tag team. Because obviously there's a low bar to be tag team champions of the world in AEW. Keep it right here. It's the drive. He spends all of his fall and winter at Arrowhead. In Arrowhead, Jiha, Kiha, wherever stays. <laughs> and is plugged into the Chiefs like no one else. I'm just letting everybody know, Vince thinks he's a star. It's 4 o'clock on Friday, and Nate Taylor from The Athletic joins CDOT on the drive. I am so thrilled, so happy. Our next guest, our last guest, we get you ready for Super Bowl 58. Is maybe one of my favorite people to talk football with. Nate Taylor of The Athletic joins us here live on Radio Row. Nate Taylor, you have been here from start to finish. You were at Super Bowl Media Day. Mm -hmm. You have been to every media availability. Yep. Do you know somebody picking San Francisco to win this game? Woo! Uh, great question. Have you met somebody that came up to you and was like, hey, you know what? I think San Francisco is going to win the Super Bowl. Nah, not really. <laughs> nah. Even... Even my buddy uh, David Lombardi, right, uh, mm -hmm. one of our writers who covers the 49ers, he gave me, like, a pretty specific way the 49ers can win. I didn't say he predicted them to win. So, um, nah, man, of the people I, I respect and, like, appreciate, everybody's kind of leaned towards, yeah, we, we kind of know how this goes, right? You know, like, they, they, they're probably going to. They're probably going to win. Some people have said that um, they're more confident in Steve Spagnuolo uh, putting Brock Purdy in hell than even Patrick Mahomes, and that's been fascinating. But most people, when I've talked to them, whether straight up or just you know in the course of conversations going from one thing to the next, most people have picked the Chiefs. Yeah, I guess at least for me in this game, and we're joined by Nate Taylor here live on Radio Row, this is real simple to me. If you believe that this is a quarterback league, right. one team has the significant quarterback advantage over the other team. If you believe that this is, you know, if you think the defense wins championships, right. one team has a significant defensive advantage over the other team. Mm -hmm. One team has a surefire, no doubt, Hall of Fame head coach. And the other team has a good head coach. Very good head coach. But he is not a surefire, no doubt, Hall of Famer. Right. Like, I don't want to come off as disrespectful to San Francisco for a team that has won 26 of its last 21 games. Like, they are a very good football team. Don't get me wrong. But I really struggle to find other than, well, Chiefs turn the ball over or Christian McCaffrey goes crazy in this game. Yeah. I really struggle to find a lot of different ways that San Francisco could win. I mean, unless the Chiefs sort of revert back to their the lowest point of their regular season form, right, where there's drop passes, there's self-inflicting mistakes. Um, you know, there might be a – you know, there might be a moment where maybe the defense doesn't have as good of a tackling performance as you expect. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brendan Ayuk, those guys can break tackles and maybe um, give the 49ers a play that you don't necessarily expect or basically when the ball arrives, you're like, oh, that's a such-and-such such yard gain, and all of a sudden it's 
it's a big highlight. So maybe there's those moments. Um, and look, I was talking to Matt Derrick yesterday, uh, coming back from the Chiefs, you know, availability, and I said, that's the best game Jalen Hurts ever played in his life. The best game. He made one mistake, Carrington. They lost. So are we asking Brock Purdy to give a similar performance? Kind of. But as Matt Derrick said, and I agree, and I, I know you do, the Chiefs defense is better. So you're now asking Brock Purdy to, to go above and beyond um, what's even required from him to beat a team like the Packers and the Lions. So they're on the field. They have talent. They can win. Um, but I still don't understand why they're the favorite from a Vegas betting standpoint. Other it doesn't than, make any sense. Other than to drive up people's interest in terms of getting them to the obviously to the to the point of them wanting to pick a certain team. I know the 49ers are a more public team. They're more name brand spotlight historical team with more rings or excuse me, more Vince Lombardi trophies than the Chiefs. Uh, but to your point, we know that the Chiefs even have the better kicker, Carrington. So uh Several things will have to go right for San Francisco, and several things would have to go wrong for the Chiefs for it to go in a way that is truly surprising for both of us. That's the part that I've been trying to, like, really figure out over the course of the last two weeks. The public is firmly on Kansas City's side. Yeah. The money is firmly on Kansas City's side. The media, today on ESPN.com, they interviewed 64 people. Wow. 49 of them picked Kansas City to win this game. Dang. So just like overwhelming people are picking Kansas City. Uh-huh. How is San Francisco the favorite in this game? Like, what am I not seeing that Vegas is seeing? And the line has never moved. Like, this wasn't it's a scenario. Right. That's, that's, the, that's the shocking thing to me is that the line hasn't gone up just because people are, like, hammering the Niners. Yeah. Or the line hasn't swung down because people are, like, to what we're discussing – by the way, Patrick Mahomes is healthy. Like, he's not coming in with an ankle injury. He's not coming in with turf toe. He didn't have a concussion, you know, like that 2020 year where all of a sudden he had to, you know, be in the protocol all week before the AFC Championship game. So, okay, I know the Chiefs are young. They're young. They're the younger team on, on you know, age compared to the 49ers. But the fact that the line hasn't moved doesn't make sense to me. Especially when you when you tell me, when you're informing me that, man, 49 people out of 64 were like, give me the Chiefs. So, I don't know. Maybe Vegas knows something. Obviously, they're winning a lot of money this week. They even got some, they even got some of mine. <laughs> but I think I'm well-educated enough to say um, maybe the sharp betters come in Saturday, Monday morning. But outside of that, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm missing other than – Kyle Shanahan got some game plan that's just gonna that's just gonna be remembered for a long, long time. And at least for me, and we're talking to Nate Taylor of the Athletic here. If you are picking, I guess maybe not even picking San Francisco. If you have them as the favorite coming into this game, you are putting more weight on the regular season games right. than the postseason games. Right. It would be one thing if you felt like right now San Francisco. Yo, they went out, they pounded the Lions. They're playing their best football right now. They're firing on all cylinders. Yep. They didn't stop anybody on Detroit two weeks ago. They didn't stop David Montgomery. They didn't stop Jameer Gibbs. They nope. didn't stop Jamison Williams. They didn't stop Sam Laporta. And, they, didn't stop, they didn't stop anybody last week. And some of the fourth down decisions that went, you know, the 49ers way, like, you can catch that ball. Like, those are catchable passes. Like, it wasn't like I thought Jared Goff may have a little bit of faltering, but he's got enough playoff experience that, like, he delivered the things on time. It's Josh Reynolds who really let them down. And then, of course, 
you're, you're trying to hand the ball off to Jameer Gibbs. He's a rookie. The timing got messed up. That happens. Football can be weird in that way. But it's not like, to your point, oh, man, the Niners just turned the switch on in the second half and, and the game went completely a different direction. They were helped. They were literally given the ball from the Lions. And I just don't think Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes are going to be as aggressive. I don't know if they should be uh, because the Chiefs have a better defense than the Lions. But also, um, the Lions run the ball consistently on the 49ers in the first half. And for some reason, they got away from it. And um, that's a lesson that the Chiefs can take with them in Sunday's game as well. I got, I mean, my biggest takeaway from the Lions in the NFC Championship game was eventually something bad happened. I yes. mean, for the first 35 minutes of the game, everything that could go right for the Lions went right. Yes. I mean, it was perfect. It was a sunshiny 75-degree day, no wind. It's great. It's perfect. And all of a sudden, they saw one rain cloud. It's like, oh, we got to go back inside. That, that, <laughs> like, that, that's just what it looked like to me. My hair We're, will get messed up. Yeah. What are we doing? Get to the hills. <laughs> like, one bad thing happened. Yeah, Josh right. Reynolds doesn't catch the fourth down. I mean, that game went from yeah, the Lions could have been up 17 if they kick and make the field goal. They were down, or it was tied three minutes later in the game because the – the the a long pass play to Brandon Ayuk yes, happens. I'll pull it up. Yes. Uh huh. Then the fumble to Jameer Gibbs. Oh. They then score a touchdown. So you went up for where you possibly could have been up seventeen points. To now the game is tied and the Lions just never recovered after that. Right. And um, you know the the Lions finally um, gave the 49ers a chance to really rush the passer too. Right. The game turned in a way where. Okay, we don't have to just lean on our running game, but we're not going to get, like, you know, a lot of third and shorts. Now we're trying to play catch-up, to your point. Now we're down, you know, double digits. We got to, like, you know, we got to put the ball in the air, and that obviously leads into, like, what San Francisco's good at, which is covering the middle of the field with Fred Warner and then having, you know, I mean, Randy Gregory's a third pass rusher between him, Nick Bosa, Chase Young. Um, what, happened, what happened to Chase Young? I feel like in the be- in, in, in the beginning, people like Chase Young, and then somewhere so along the talented. way, talented. He's so talented. Kadarius um, Tony. That's who he is. He he has a little better injury history. Um, what what teams have found out is he uh, he a splash player, not an every down player. Kadarius um, Tony. Sure. <laughs> if he was on the field and not dropping the ball this year, then sure. Yes, confirmed. Um, really quick, I'm sorry to cut yeah, you yeah. off here. Have you wrote a story about how Kadarius Tony said that that was AI? Like, of all, of all the most ridiculous Super Bowl storylines, that one isn't being talked about nearly enough. Uh-huh. My man was on Instagram Live, and then they asked him about it. He's like, yo, that wasn't me. It was AI. Here's what I wrote, because uh, I, I was with him on Monday night, uh, the only time we were ever going to get Kadarius Tony. You might not ever talk to Kadarius Tony again. That might be your last time ever talking to Kadarius Tony. last time, kids. Uh, he might uh, be playing for the Memphis Brawlers in the USFL. <laughs> He about to be playing. That's what team about to be on in about three months. So this is what I wrote on Monday. Quote on Monday night, Tony said he believed someone edited the audio to make his comments appear more negative towards the Chiefs instead of presenting his comments in full. That is the nicest way, Carrington. I could have wrote that. He thought they spliced it up. <laughs> he thought they cut it up. On Instagram and, Live? Chopped and screwed an Instagram Live that he started. That's the nicest I think. I, that's the nicest I can say. He he believed someone edited the audio instead of presenting it in its, in its full 
presentation. Do you think that he will play on Sunday? Probably not. Especially now with Jerry McKinnon being questionable. Um, you know, he has a better chance of helping the Chiefs against the 49ers because we saw what happened last year, right? He had a really good game. Um, you know, Chip helping Nick Bosa, having a big screen game, obviously leaking out um, out of the backfield as an additional, you know, dump off for Patrick Mahomes. I think Jerry McKinnon, if, you know, and based on what I've kind of heard, the progress has been steady. And who knows, maybe he can give them 15 quality snaps on Sunday. Are you expecting 15 quality snaps from Kadarius Tony? Then I would lean more towards, hell, maybe even Sky Moore has a better chance than Kadarius Tony. I don't want him playing either. I don't want Tony playing. I don't want Sky Moore playing. And I understand that, yes. I, I don't want either one. If you, if I could give you Kadarius, the only other question I've asked, um, which the Chiefs have kind of been like not willing to – to, to give me a clear answer, and I understand. But I said, hey, what if Dave Tove's like, we need one, we just need one return? It doesn't have to be the 60-yarder from a year ago. We just need like a 25-yard punt return. Is Kadarius Tony worth one punt return that you know is going to be successful and he's not going to screw up Why is else Richie James on the team if he can't get you a 20-yard? I mean, he can't. He ain't helping you in the passing game. He hasn't helped you at any point this season in the passing game. He can't have one 20-yard punt return? I'm going to look it up here real quick, but um, Richie James is not he, – he's not as elusive and dynamic in the open field. Uh, Richie has done the best job of actually catching the punts, but – That's if, critical. <laughs> <laughs> but if you if you talk about a splash play, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just – that's the only question Richie I've James asked. might have the most uneventful Chiefs career of any player that we've ever seen. His longest punt return uh, in the postseason has been 15 yards. Look at that. Uh, he his, his longest in the regular season was 23. Oh, there we go. Who was that against? Uh, let me look it up. Denver? That definitely, that, that definitely feels like a Broncos. <laughs> that definitely has Vikings written all over it. All over it? it? Okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> punt return yards. So let me scroll through here the way this thing works. 2019, 2023. Mm. Who was it against? Oh, Chicago. Boy. They might have been against Chicago. Yeah, Everybody yeah. played well that game against Chicago. <laughs> Everybody played well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go, you know, um, that, that's Richie James for you kids. But all I'm asking is um, Andy Reid loves redemption stories, but he has also this year figured out that um, keep it simple. So I don't anticipate Kadarius Tony playing, but if he was in uniform, at least I believe I know what the role would be, which is, hey, give us, give us something special on, on special teams like you did last year against the Eagles. Right now, we're joined in studio, I guess, on location, however you yeah. want to say it. With Nate Taylor, we are here at Radio Row at Mandalay Bay. All right, so I'm, I'm going to give you a couple of the things we've been talking about over the course of the week. Okay. I think all of the Chiefs' storylines are all big-picture historical legacy. Mm-hmm. It's about Pat, can he catch Tom Brady? It's about Travis Kelsey's third ring. It's about Andy Reid. Like, yes. All of their talking points are much more big-picture, thousand-foot yeah. view. And as, I, and as I wrote today – in the athletic, this is this could also be the bookend to Chris Jones's career with the Chiefs, right? Or his the, this being the most significant chapter of his career. We don't know where he could go next year, but obviously um, he will be, you know, as pro football focus ranks him as the number one most sought after unrestricted free agent who's still in their prime going into year nine. Uh, so even his legacy is is up there as well for the potential of hey, if he gets. You know, a third Super Bowl ring, and he plays well on Sunday and wreaks havoc. 
he's pretty much put him in, put himself in position to be in the be in the Hall of Fame as well. I think at least the like here and now storylines are far more on San Francisco's favor. Mm-hmm. If you were Kyle Shanahan, people blame you for losing two Super Bowls. People blame you for the Falcons' loss. Yep. They don't blame the coach. They don't blame the quarterback. They don't blame the defense. They blame Kyle Shanahan for why they lost to the New England Patriots. And you also had a 20-10 to 10 lead over Kansas City four years ago in the Super Bowl, with less and your than, team lost by double digits. With less than 10 minutes left in the game. Like, I, I got a lot of pushback for saying this. Like, I got a lot of pushback. I think that Kyle Shanahan has the most pressure of any person or player in this game. I think Kyle Shanahan has to win the Super Bowl. Because if you're telling me he goes to his third Super Bowl mm-hmm. and you lose another one, I feel pretty confident that Pat will get back. I don't know if Kyle Shanahan gets back to the Super Bowl. Well, I don't want to – I mean, I have to reference his name because I thought he's a great coach. And I, I'm actually going to Google this really quickly. Um, and, you know, as Chiefs fans of a certain age know who this is. Marv Levy. This is – now, he's in the Hall of Fame. He was a class of 2001. God bless him. Had an amazing four-year run, got his team motivated the second time, the third time, and the fourth time to go back to the Super Bowl. They never won. So I don't want to put Kyle Shanahan under the sort of label that, man, he's this generation's Marv Levy, but he, he might not – he may not have the better team again. And that's and – I, and I think that's always the issue is like, man – the coach is supposed to maximize the talent around him. You've been given two weeks to really try to prepare to get your team to go up against what appears to be the next great dynasty. Yeah, man, that game plan got to be pristine. It's got to be exquisite. It's got to be seamless. And you just hope that you calm down Brock Purdy enough in the fourth quarter that you can guide him from the first quarter all the way to the end of the game. Uh, because you're the play caller, and what you've told us is, man, we can get any quarterback, not any, but we can get most quarterbacks to point. I will tell you where to point and shoot the ball because he's wide open. problem is there's Trent McDuffie, Jarius Sneed, uh, Justin Reed in the middle of the field just waiting to, to destroy somebody. Connor, you know, Tamari Connor's playing really well right now. Mike Edwards is roaming around somewhere. And then, oh, by the way, they have these two other corners, Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams. So, uh Ain't nobody else got a secondary like this. So how do you get guys open when you're the play caller and we know that much of the burden is on you instead of the quarterback because that's a two-year guy who is Mr. Irrelevant, who has done an incredible job stabilizing and keeping this team afloat. But we all know that the reason this team is in the Super Bowl is because they have an all-star collection of skill position players and they have one of the best schematic head coaches in the NFL going right now. If he loses, I don't think it would be the worst thing, but don't get embarrassed on Sunday. Get embarrassed. Now we are trending towards Marv Levy territory because they got ran off the field by the Washington, and they got beat back-to-back pretty handedly by the Dallas Cowboys. So um, it's a it's a ginormous game for him, kind of the same way the players felt, the Chiefs players felt in 2019, right? They got off. They got off the plane in Miami, and they said, we have to do this not only for ourselves, but we have to do this for Andy Reid because everybody knows his reputation. This is all that's missing. Um, So I don't know if the 49ers feel that way yet, um, but they, you know, 
Kyle Shanahan needs to understand that that this is his moment, this is his time, and if, if he somehow pulls this off, uh, he will have no more – he'll have none of us questioning whether he can do it uh, just because things went poorly the first two times. Right now we're joined by Nate Taylor of The Athletic. Are you a Brock Purdy believer? <sighs> Why you do this to me? Why you do this to me? Sounds like a no. I don't want to do <laughs> it this. It sounds like a no. It sounds like a no because, like, I mean, I guess he could play well on Sunday. Do you want to go up against Steve Spagnola for the first time and it just happens to be in the Super Bowl with two weeks to really dissect your no. weaknesses? But I will say this, and this is where – Hand the ball I, off, Brock. Hand it off, I'm not. I'm not high on Brock Purdy in this either. I will say this, though. I don't think you need Brock Purdy to be great if you're San Francisco. Sure. Like right now, you sure. know how we do our hypothetical button game. Yeah. If you could press the button right now, if you're a San Francisco fan, and you get 18 of 29, 265 yards, one touchdown, no interception from Brock oh, Purdy. Bang it. Bang it right now. Easy. Yes. Press it. Yes. That is it. not a, that is not a game or a day that anyone will talk about in Super Bowl history. Nope. That gives you a chance. Because at least for me, and I don't know what your score prediction is, I have seen Kansas City play enough good teams this year. This game is going to be close in the fourth quarter. Like, anybody that has the Chiefs blowing San Francisco out, you have given Kansas City way too much credit over the last month or so. Unless unless Mahomes plays at a level that wouldn't surprise me, but he's just so efficient. I thought he did that for the first two drives against Baltimore, and then their offense just, we're not going to score anymore today. But also, Baltimore has a better defense than... 49ers no that's fair so, I just I, at least I, I, I made this if you, if you give me an Andy Reid trick play that has a 100% sex rate success rate and Patrick Mahomes is just again floating above everybody else then yeah there's a chance that it could it could get out of hand because the pressure would then fall on Brock Purdy and that could lead to poor decision making an interception or two there's there's potential of a blowout it's just like five things have to go exactly the way that they're going, but more likely, to your point, it's going to be close, which will, which will give Brock Purdy perhaps a chance in the fourth quarter. I just don't really know what the Chiefs' A game looks like in that regard. That other than Miami, right. every every right. team that we think is good, it has been close late. Now the difference is in the regular season they made the plays to lose the game, and the right. postseason they made the plays to win the game, but. The Lions, the Eagles, the Bills, the, Bills the Ravens. Game. They haven't blown the, out any The good Packers team. game where Marquez got tackled in the middle of the field. There, and the refs were like, man, I want to go home, dog. Like, <laughs> come on, man. He go, If we call the flag, he's going to score a touchdown. they probably going to get the two bang words. We're probably going to spend another hour being outside in this in this cold at half, or, you know, for overtime. But, yeah, I mean, they, they've had they've – had, all their losses have been memorable, yes. I just think – not even it's not even about them losing. It is just – we haven't seen the Chiefs kind of put that A game together against a good team. We're going into the fourth quarter. You don't have to worry about it. I would, I would, they had they had I one would, game like that this year was against Miami. And somebody writing on deadline, I would appreciate would that. It. But that, that, that's just not how they are. So right. I at least feel like in this game, this game is going to be Chiefs 23, Niners 20 heading into the fourth quarter. Maybe San Francisco's up. It is going to be close. And at mm. least for me, what I think the difference is, it's that clip that we saw in the AFC Championship game. It is third and eight, and Patrick Mahomes goes over to the sideline and says, give me the ball. Right. 
and just I am about to make a play to win this game, or it is their defense, like we saw in the Buffalo Bills playoff game. All right, their defense gets off the field at the right time. Yes. Hey, you guys might have gave up some points. You might have gave up some yards. Buffalo had three drives at the end of the game where they could have tied it or taken the lead. And Kansas City's defense got off the field every time. That's how I think this game is going to be played. I'm not predicting Chiefs 31, Niners 10. This San Francisco team is too good to me to just go out there and just get pummeled. I just think that Brock Purdy, like, what likely happens in this game is at some point in the third quarter, fourth quarter, the pressure of everything gets to Brock Purdy, and he just throws an absolute duck in the middle of the field. <laughs> oh, that no. gets, He just throws an absolute oh. just straight floater that gets intercepted by Willie Gay Jr. Like, you you know you see that pass I could, coming. I could definitely see that where – where like, in, especially too when like they're driving, they're on the plus side of the field. Like yeah. it could happen. Oh no! What you do? He tries oh. to scramble, and then you got right. Kittle, and then he throws it yeah. across his body. Like you, you see that interception coming a mile away in this game. Also, hey Jake Moody. Oh, you know he gonna miss one. I don't know what you <laughs> look like. I, I'm looking at your face right now. I, I, I'm look. I look forward to seeing you out there on Sunday. Uh, he wears number four for the San Francisco 49ers, Carrington. Uh, he made uh, 84% of his field goals this season. That might sound nice. It ranks 24th in the NFL. Now, I know we're playing in a dome, but 50-yard field goal to tie the game or potentially to win the game. Does Jake Moody do it? He's missing. Wide right. Okay. Wide right. We know we, 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 have, we have evidence of what Harrison Bucker would do. Bucker's making that field goal. And to your point, it could come down to that. It really could. Like, if the game is close, or it just might be stuff that you have to remember in the fourth quarter. Like, man, you know, where they do the little package on TV where CBS goes, well, here's Jim Nance saying, well, Moody missed the field goal in the second quarter. Then they were in the red zone, but they had a turnover. And instead of being up or going, you know, or going for the win, the Niners are down four. And Brock Purdy's got to be a hero yet again in the last two minutes, and it could lead to a moment where you go, the, yeah, the moment's big, Brock. It won't be, you know, it's not like we won't understand it. Uh, but, yeah, the moment might be big, and you might make a mistake. And, yeah, if Willie Gay catches the interception, the game's over. Right now we're joined on location from Nate Taylor of The Athletic. Coming up on the other side, I want to – I have a I have a take about the Chiefs defense in a historic sense. I want to run it by you here. We got Nate Taylor here as we continue to get you ready for Super Bowl 58. Keep it right here. It's the drive. The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Kansas City, it's Willie Gay Jr. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Nate Taylor of The Athletic is here. Nate Taylor, I'm going to run this theory by you. I think that the Super Bowl has a way of sort of freezing things in time. And I think if the Chiefs defense plays well, Mm -hmm. and let's say they hold Christian McCaffrey to 61 yards and he doesn't score. Wow. Mm. Which would be a great day for the defense. And they hold San Francisco to 13 to 17 points. I think people will talk about Kansas City's defense like they are the 2015 Broncos. Like, they will be one of those great defenses that other great defenses get measured by. Yes. Because I would say that this defense has been really good all year. And it didn't feel like until the AFC Championship game when they did it against Lamar Jackson that, like, everybody started paying attention. Yes. Like, oh, hey, Kansas City's defense might be really good. Like, 
you haven't been watching them? They're always on. How did you not know that their defense is really good? That I really think, like, this this defense legacy outside of Kansas City really depends on this game. If this game is more high scoring than people think, and let's say this is a 31-27 game, no one will talk about Kansas City's defense outside of Kansas City. Right. No one will talk about it. Which is crazy, well, but, well, that's, they, but, but they, that's how it works. Yeah, and, and Patrick will get all the credit for it. Patrick and Travis Kelsey will get all the credit for this championship <laughs> if they score 30 points in this game. Right. But if their defense plays really well, and this is a low-scoring game like I think, like I think Kansas City's winning 23-17. Okay. I think their defense is going to play really well in this game, and I think their defense is going to be remembered as it should, as one of the great defenses that we've seen in the last 15, 20 years. Yes. I mean, along with the, what, the 2013 Seattle Seahawks, Legion of Boom, um, you know, no one's really going to get up there with the Ravens because they had both the personality and they just smothered everybody. That wasn't even realistic. I mean, that's like a video game. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not, you know, but like, yeah, this is the best defense that Steve Spagnuolo has perhaps ever had. Um, I know the team in 2007 with the Giants, obviously they, they defeated the, the undefeated Patriots at the time, held them under obviously their average quite well, but that that was a defensive renaissance at the very late end of the season, right? To win to get into the postseason to in the regular season, and then they went on obviously a run. But this is from start to potentially finish a Steve Spagnuolo masterpiece uh, with about 20 guys on defense that you can really say, I know his best moment. He helped the team win this game. Uh, you know, he developed and got better over the course of the year. Uh, he's playing like, again, 18 to 20 guys this season. And, and obviously one of them included is Brian Cook, who got injured in, you know, early December. He hasn't even played. Carrington, if they win on Sunday and the defense is the story, they should be known for their ability to just dominate people in the second half because uh, this graphic has gone around. Uh, obviously, Nick Wright, our friend on first things first, here's the points the Chiefs allowed in the second half. In week 14 against the Bills, six. Against the Patriots, seven. Against the Raiders, three. They've lost the game because, you know, that other thing. Zero against the Bengals. Six against the Chargers with their backups. Zero points to the Dolphins in the postseason in the second half. Just seven to the Bills. That was their first drive in the second half. And three to the Ravens. If they give up 10 or less to the San Francisco 49ers in the second half and they win the game and they become back-to-back Super Bowl champs, the first team to do it in two decades, the defense should get the majority of the credit, even though they have the world's best quarterback, because when the games really mattered, when it got down to winning time, they stopped everybody. And so that's how they should be remembered as the second as a second-half defense that once they figured you out, um, that was curtains. Outside of Christian McCaffrey, who's the offensive player on San Francisco that worries you the most? Because obviously McCaffrey, just because the usage is going to be high. If, if Lamar Jackson does not exist, I would give the MVP award to Christian McCaffrey. And in this game, I think McCaffrey's going to touch it at least 20 times. I would hope so. And if he gets 20 touches, it's just hard to see you just completely shutting him down because of the variety of ways yes. that you can use him in a game. Right. So let's remove him. So you've got three other playmakers. You've got Ayuk, Samuel, and Kittle. Who are you most worried about on San Francisco? I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried. Some ways I should be worried about Samuel 
because he also has the most variety alongside McCaffrey to do certain things, whether in the backfield, in the screen game, downfield, and obviously running deep crossers um, on play action. But the Chiefs have LeJerry Steen and Trent McDuffie. So I get the sense, too, that maybe then the bigger issue is George Kittle because he could beat you blocking just as much as receiving. And so if he's helping McCaffrey in the run game, especially to set the edge or to, you know, to seal the edge for the perimeter, um, and then, of course, he can get open against Nick Bolton or Drew Tranquil or Willie Gay or, you know, obviously Steve Spagnuolo can match him with, um, with Justin Reed, then, yeah, then maybe George Kittle is, is the likely answer I'll come to, even though I think the more talented, the more dynamic player is Debo Samuel. It was funny. We were talking about Debo a couple of days ago. I don't look at Debo as maybe a great player. I just think that, like, we all have, like, a gadget player that we love. Mm-hmm. Hey, this guy can catch it. This guy can run. This guy can do all these things. Like, D- like Debo isn't – Debo's probably not wide receiver one. He also, like, isn't a great running back. But when you, <laughs> but when you add those yes. two things and he gets you 1,100 yards the way that he did. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. Debo Samuel's really good. It's really good. Debo's and it's so fun to watch. That's the other thing, too. It's, it's like alluring. Yes. He's just such a – he's not a big player, but he's just a physical player that you can just use in a variety of ways. It's funny because we, – uh, we were talking about this earlier with Rob. I think that San Francisco probably has more individual talent than Kansas City. But I think that Reed and Mahomes can just make up the difference in this matchup, and that's ultimately why I have to side with Kansas City. Like, in this, you were given two choices. You were given stand with Patrick Mahomes or stand with Brock Purdy. I can't stand with Brock Purdy. Right. And even though they may have more all-stars, they may have more all-pros, I think the Chiefs are just, again, younger, and they have more depth. They have more versatility to them, even though the 49er skill position players are all built on – Man, we could just line those guys up anywhere and they'll work. So, um, I I just, and I mean, again, I think special teams in these kind of games matter, and I just think the Chiefs have the better kicker. So, the one who can get you points when you need to finish a drive with some level of success on the scoreboard, um, I do think Harrison Bucker gives the Chiefs a pretty clear advantage. Um, I enjoy the Brock Purdy games. I enjoy that he has found a way to be confident but not uh, go into, like, YOLO mode too much, right? At the same point, if Patrick Mahomes plays the way he played against even Buffalo, if he just gives us the Buffalo Bill divisional round game, they'll probably win because he'll scramble for first downs. He'll complete deep passes to MVS. He'll just continue to feed Kelsey and – when they get in short yardage, he'll probably be the one to calm everybody down and say, let's use Isaiah Pacheco. Let's let's get the tough, gritty yards because when I hand the ball off to Isaiah Pacheco, he's going to get four yards when we need three. He's going to get five yards when we need four. He's going to keep us in a position where we can do anything on the play sheet that Andy Reid has. Um, and, again, I will make no glaring mistakes, no mistakes that you look back and go, man, it would have been really nice had he not done that. No, I won't do that. I'll – I'll be so great because I'll limit even the Niners' chances to have successful moments on defense, which, again, 
is a psychological issue because it just compounds as the game moves further and further. And you're like, we haven't done anything to disrupt him. We haven't done anything to really touch him, to really hit him. Um, so, yeah, for all the for all the greatness that the 49ers have, to your point earlier, Carrington, they have the better coach. They have the better quarterback. Hell, they have the better kicker, I believe. And if Mahomes just gives you the divisional round playoff win against the Buffalo Bills, which is not spectacular, but just like enough, but really yeah, high, really good, really efficient, they'll probably win. Right now we're joined on location from Nate Taylor covering the Kansas City Chiefs for the Athletic. Coming up on the other side, the debate that has torn this show apart. <laughs> we'll ask Nate Taylor next. Keep it right here. It's the drive. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Remember to follow the show on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car wreck? Get the money you deserve. Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. This is The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. All right, Nate Taylor of the Athletic. We will get to very serious football things here to close out the show. But we have to ask you about a debate that has torn this show apart. Rob thinks that you can bring a vegetable tray to the function. Oh, okay. What vegetable, Rob? I'm, you know talking, what like I'm a, talking about like a veggie tray. Celery, carrots, cauliflower, broccoli with a little dip in the middle. That that's what I'm talking all, about. All all you can bring is celery and carrots. That's it. Nothing else. And ranch. I know where we live. I'd rather you not bring anything if that's what you're bringing. Like, if, if you Oh, if that's the only thing you're bringing, don't yeah. come. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you, in addition to. If you walk through that door, what? and the only thing that you have is a high-V veggie tray. Come on, dog. Delete my number out your phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get, what's the word? Debauchery. While watching football. This is the last football game we got all year. I need debauchery. I need I need people to go ham on Sunday. Be responsible, obviously. Get that Uber. Get that Lyft. But go crazy, y'all, because it's the last one. And then, hallelujah, thank God we have the NBA All-Star weekend next week, right? But then after that, Carrington. March Madness, you better hold on. No, nah, no. Nah, I hope you like college it's like, basketball. It's like dark days until <laughs> until that first round of the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I hope you like college basketball. And somebody can be, you know, like, shout out to Bobby Wood Jr. We applaud you. I ain't ready for pitchers and catchers, okay, let alone <laughs> spring training. Rob, somebody invited you to their thing. Hey, Rob, you can bring your veggie tray to my get-together. Please don't bring the vegetables to the function. Are you bringing champagne? Are you bringing wine, beer, making the cocktails? You got to bring something. Bring, bro, a just cake. bring a cake. Stop by Little Caesars and pick up a hot and ready. <laughs> you can't pick up a hot and ready. You can't get some crazy bread. I would eat that right now. I'm dead serious. <laughs> I love some crazy bread for the bowl. Based on the things I've eaten, I mean, I've already had wings and street corn today, and I'm you know, nibbling on some Skittles. Yeah, give me give me some Little Caesars right now. Why aren't they here? Where, uh, who, who is their official spot? I thought they were the official pizza of the NFL. I think they are. Yeah, why aren't they? I ain't seen them. I haven't seen them. I either. haven't seen them. Huh. But no, Rob. I mean, what else are you bringing, Rob? Beer. A little cheese dip? Beer. Beer? I, I got beer and a veggie tray. IPAs. He's bringing veggies and IPAs. I mean, you got to have... 
Can you bring some cookies? <laughs> <laughs> He's bringing oatmeal raisins. Oh, no. He's not even chocolate chip. Come on. He's not even bringing chocolate chip cookies. He's bringing snickerdoodles. Don't bring no snickerdoodles that's, to the big game. That's when you say, hey, come back. Come with me to the kitchen. Did you see what he brought? Did you, did you, did you see this? For the last football game. It's the Super Bowl. <laughs> Nate, I'm picking the Chiefs to win 23-17. I, I just, <laughs> the thing is, I've picked San Francisco to win the Super Bowl. Like, before this whole thing started, if you asked oh, for me, real. Yeah, who yeah, do you yeah. think is going to yeah. win the Super Bowl? I would have said, I think San Francisco is the best team. Wow. I feel, like, over the course of the last month, so the, the yes. most important games of the season, yes. I feel better about Kansas City than mm-hmm. I have. Really, at any point since the Bears game, like right now, how I feel about the team. This since is Taylor as, Swift joined the this, team. This is as good as I felt at any point. Right. That's number one. And this is the worst that I feel about San Francisco. They lost some of their mystique when they got blown out on Christmas to the Ravens. They lost some of it. I looked at them, hey, if they're healthy, their hands down. We were talking about, would you take San Francisco against the field? Right. And Early I think I said San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, at that point. And now, fast forward. They got blown out on Christmas. They they played poorly against the Packers for 52 minutes of that Pretty game. much, yeah. Mm. And they got down 24-7 to 7 against the Lions. Who had, who had no experience other than Jared Goff being there. That's what blew my mind. Like, hey, they not, they're not expect like, this. their season's already a success. And Jared Goff was like, get on, get on my back for a half, and we're going to go up and down the field. And I just thought, like, the Detroit Lions, who have never been there, are are going to the Super Bowl. And then, obviously, we talked earlier this hour about how things change. But yeah, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair thing to say. And you know, they're old on defense. They are particularly old outside of Bosa and Traverius Ward. I mean, Fred Warner's kind of getting up there. <sighs> Greenlaw makes some plays, but he's kind of undisciplined at times. Like. Ugh. They're really good, but they're going up. They're going up against. Um, they're going up against a team that knows what it takes to win, knows how to win in winning time. So my prediction is Chiefs 26, 49ers 20. I'll get you out of here with this really quick. We have less than a minute. If you bring cookies and wine to the function, no one drinks the wine. Can you take the wine home? No. No, you give you have given up that wine. You gotta leave it there upon entry. <laughs> you gotta leave it. You there. gotta leave it there. I, I've never. God bless my mother. My mother said, "Don't you don't no." Once you go in there, you have respected those people. That's for them to figure out. Now, if they want to pass it off, on them. But once upon entry, that's their wine. That ain't yours anymore. Nate Taylor, man, I appreciate you. We'll be back in Kansas City on Monday. Until then, I'll let Daniel Craig take you home. Ladies and gentlemen. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.